burgers are grillin', chocolate shakes are chillin', french fries and ketchup to take home, fresh from our fando, our DC delights start soon, last call to swing by the restroom, everybody silence your cell phones, it's time to watch the fando. DC Fando, brought to you by Big Belly Burger. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Noyce, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. DC TV Podcast. There's too many now. Exclamation <laughs> point. <laughs> Is being, becoming a human burrito a plus or a minus? I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Oh, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> so I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther Boardroom or Ballroom. Because really? She looks like a boss in this coat. Is Nasty Luther like a different Luther? It's not just Lena being mean. No. <laughs> Ooh, Helen Slater here. So fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Yeah! Welcome to Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to the CW Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. My name is Rebecca Johnson. I'm Morgan Glennon. And for this episode of the podcast, we are live and wired to discuss the experience of the second day of DC Fandom. If you will recall, DC Fandom was changed from a 24-hour event on August 22nd to a two-day event with the first day on August 22nd and the second day happening on September 12th. Uh, so this was uh, definitely a different experience to uh, to have with DC Fandom. And it was, I, it was uh, rightfully, I think it was the right choice for them to split it up because it was a lot of content. Uh, so we will be talking about the second day that we just experienced and kind of uh, what was there. And this will, since we are Supergirl Radio and we are a Supergirl podcast, it will be Supergirl heavy. Uh, but there will be some things that were not Supergirl related that we will be talking about. So uh, definitely feel free to share any uh, experience that you had in the comment section and we will get to those as well. All right. But before we get into DC fandom, we have a little bit of some things we need to announce. So first we need to catch up on the news. Supergirl Radio is going to try something brand new for our live stream next week. On Tuesday, September 22nd at 9 p.m. Eastern, we're going to have a live and wired call-in show, which means that you, the, the listener and now the viewer, if you've been watching our live streams, will have the chance to join the live stream and chat with us on the live stream. So bring any questions or topics that you'd like to talk about. Uh, you can ask us questions. You can give us um, uh, something that you want to, to discuss with us. And we'd love to hear, hear your opinions. So bring uh, your snap judgments. Bring some snap judgments. Bring any <laughs> feedback you have. Um, so pitches for next season. Oh, that's characters. A, weird characters you want to see in the show. <laughs> that's that's a great idea. Season six pitches are welcome. Um, <laughs> so the instructions for how to join the live stream will be. So this is going to sound complicated, but it's really not. So just like you're watching the live stream now, they're in the video description. Uh, for next week, we'll have the instructions to join the live stream. It's basically just going to be a Streamyard link. So if you've been using Zoom here lately because of the pandemic, it's it operates a lot like that. So you'll just click on the StreamYard link and follow the prompts and we will be, be able to add you 
in and uh, you'll be able to join the live stream from a desktop or a laptop computer. Uh, we found that Google Chrome works the best as a browser if you do use your desktop or laptop. And you can also join from a smartphone or a tablet device. So if you wanna uh, go with that, you can do that as well. And if you don't wanna be on camera, don't worry about it. Uh, you can just turn your camera off and still join the live stream with just your audio and that will be perfectly fine. So uh, this is something we're gonna try out. We've never done this before. Uh, so uh, we thought that would be a fun way to sort of um, wrap up some of our live streaming because after next week, we're going to get back into the comics because we're so behind on the comics. <laughs> <laughs> so only a couple years behind, you uh, guys. Just, I mean, just slightly behind on the comics. Uh, so uh, we're going to be catching up on that and we won't be doing any live streaming. So uh, until maybe November, though, we may we may do some uh, live streaming in November for a special live stream there. We might um, be back. <laughs> we, we might be back. But for a little while, we won't be doing any live streaming. So uh, we thought this would be a good way to sort of wrap up some of our live streaming from this summer with a call-in show with our listeners and viewers. So uh, think about you, what you want to talk about or any questions or any snap judgments you want to uh, bring to the table. And uh, we'll just talk about what you want to talk about uh, for, I don't know, as long as you want to talk about it. Uh, so <laughs> anyway, um, it, that was, that's going to be happening next week. So we wanted to announce that ahead of time uh, so that everybody would know. Okay. Well, uh, Morgan, shall we get into uh, DC fandom? I think we shall. <laughs> okay. All right. So uh, I'm from what, from what it sounds like you did not go into the dome on September 12th. So I had every indication of going into the dome. I was ready. I was prepared. I put it in my calendar on my phone. It said, DC fandom exclamation point. <laughs> uh, and then I woke up that morning. I kind of woke up late and I was like, you know what? I really want to go apple picking. It feel, the, the spirit of fall is in the air and I'll just come home later and I'll watch the fandom stuff and that'll be fun. And I came home later and I was like, I'm tired. And then I like <laughs> took a series of naps. And uh, so it didn't happen is the thing. It didn't happen. <laughs> so I'm going to need you to guide me through the fandom. Because I had uh, er like erroneously assumed like that like the first time, all the panels were just going to be up on YouTube. And I could just watch them whenever because that's the kind of person I am. And it turns <laughs> out that that's not the case. <laughs> no, there there were a few that that you could find on YouTube, but uh, most of them were not available. Uh, so I guess maybe they learned something from uh, last time. Uh, so yeah, I'll guide you through the things that I uh, did in the fandom. I was not able to do everything that I wanted to do. There was so much. I mean, so much. Uh, but I tried to focus on Supergirl stuff and sort of uh, some of the interactive things that I was very excited about doing because there was there was more than just uh, celebrity panels this time. So that was that was very exciting. That's really cool because I, I guess I think another reason why I didn't like, you know, I was going to do it and then I forgot was that <laughs> <laughs> was that like uh, like panels in person are kind of interesting. But panels, I just my my attention span just cannot attuned to a panel that I'm watching of a bunch of people over Zoom. Like I've watched some of the like the Comic-Con panels like a couple days after I get back from Comic-Con because like half the, the joke is always that when you're at Comic-Con, people who are at home usually know more about like the new announcements than you do. <laughs> and like even those I'm like zoning out on. <laughs> I'm just not a good like watching a panel from home kind of person. So like <laughs> watching a Zoom panel seems even more tedious to me. Are you saying that you would not watch a Supergirl radio live stream? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> 
<laughs> but I'm that, glad these people are. <laughs> that is that is fair. That is fair. Um, okay. Well, since we're talking about uh, celebrity panels, I, I suppose that we could start with that because there was a Supergirl panel, if I can uh, pull the right slide up, uh, that featured uh, Nicole Cole Mains and David Harewood. Okay. Um, I did watch six minutes of this panel tonight. Uh, <laughs> so I'm an expert on it. <laughs> The first six, very tight, good stuff. Yeah, this this one I wasn't uh, as big of a fan of. Um, it was called Truth, Justice, in the DC Comics Way. And it uh, had David Harewood from Supergirl, Nicole Maines from Supergirl, Marvin uh, Jones III from Black Lightning, and Anna Jop, Jop, Jop? No, it's Jope. Uh, I, I had to look that up, how to pronounce her name. It's Anna Jope from Titans, who plays Starfire and Eric Wallace, the executive producer and showrunner of The Flash. Um, they talked a lot about their personal experiences and they talked a lot about social justice. And it was very, um, it wasn't as political as I thought it was gonna be, but it sort of had some of that in there. And if anybody's listened to Supergirl Radio, you know, I, I sort of check out when things get too political. I'm like, oh, okay, this is this is too much for me. I wanted more of the, the comics than I did any of that. But I did think it was very interesting. I learned more about Anna Jope that uh, I didn't know. She talked a good bit about uh, being from Senegal and how her move to the United State, States helps inform how she plays Corey on Titans. So that I found pretty interesting. Um, so I will I will say that, that I, I got to know them as people a little bit more, uh, but I, I wasn't a fan of the topic. I was hoping they were gonna talk more about how even if, if they wanted to talk about the social justice aspect of it, I was hoping that they would talk more about how the comics have dealt with some of those subjects. Uh, did, they, did they talk about how like the shows dealt with them or was uh, it more like personal experience kind of stuff? Cause I, I only, again, I want, I'm an expert <laughs> because I watched the first six minutes, uh, <laughs> good stuff, solid stuff. Uh, but it seemed, it was like, you know, I, I only watched the intro where they're kind of talking about their own personal experiences. So I didn't know how much it got into like the shows and the characters and stuff. Yeah, the they did they did talk a little bit about how the shows dealt with some of those things. Uh, I distinctly remember Nicole Maines talking about how she wanted to develop Nia as a solid character before she um, did some uh, um, uh, more negative things with Nia. So, like in the um, the Reality Bites episode where she goes after that that guy who's who's been attacking all those people hmm. um where she she sort of takes it in a vengeful way um she she talked about how she wanted to make people well not make people but she wanted the audience to be able to like nia before she did all that because you know i mean if you don't like a character and then they do something bad you're like oh that that person <laughs> yeah um, so I, I thought I and I couldn't remember if I had heard her talk about that before. I don't know. Yeah, if that's she, super interesting because because I've, I've read a couple interviews of hers about that episode because I know that she was like involved in, in you know, consulting the writers and things like that, um, which is, I think, why that episode kind of like like resolve resounded with people. But uh, I hadn't heard her talk about like wanting to, you know, get people to like Nia so that they could, you know, go on that journey with her. So that's really interesting. Yeah, and I, I'm glad that uh, there wasn't a, a, a shying away of taking a character like that to a, a more negative place and like dealing with some of those 
uh, attitudes and those feelings. So uh, I, that's understandable. And I think that's a good approach to how they went about doing that. And I, I don't think I'd heard Nicole talk about that before. I don't think she talked about that with us. No, I don't think so. In no. our interview. Um, so that, that was good. Um, she's always a fun interview too. So I think that that, that's always, you know, it's, she's fun to watch. Yeah, it was a more serious panel, but uh, but they, you know, they brought their personalities, of course, and I, I think they had a good time together. It just the the topic of conversation wasn't uh, as something that was up my alley, just because uh, I wanted more comic based uh, things. But uh, it's you know, it was an important conversation, and I, I think they um, they got a lot of it, a lot out of it, and I hope that other people did too. That's cool. Um, like. Um, I'm planning on finishing that panel, but um, I just from the little bit that I saw of oh, and now I forgot her name. Was it uh, Anna uh, Jope? Yes. Uh, I it, it, so you've been talking up Titans, and she seems really cool. And I was like, mm, maybe I gotta finally watch Titans. You've got to watch Titans. <laughs> it's so good. It's it once you get past their need to say the f word all the time. Like to me, it seems like they're just doing it. Because they can. Yeah, and I that, heard that, that the first couple me. episodes are like a little bit too much like, hey, we're a superhero show, but dark. Um, <laughs> but, but, then, but then I heard that it kind of like kind of gets over that hump and gets a, more, a little bit more enjoyable. Yeah, I think the storytelling is pretty good and the world building is good. And they've got a lot of really good characters. And um, I, I just I highly recommend it. I think Titans is one of the best D DC shows um, out there now. Um, and she's really good. Uh, Anna is really good as uh, Starfire and Corey. And so I highly recommend it for sure. It's on the list. Definitely. Um, so Leslie makes a good point, which is since Nicole Maines and David Harewood were already doing a panel, why couldn't DC fandom get like two other people from the show and do a Supergirl panel? I think Jesse Rath would have been up for it. I feel like I feel like you just tell Jesse Rath like a place and a time, and he shows up <laughs> with his Legion ring on. Yeah. I, I don't think that he's a hard kid. I think they probably could have gotten Sam Witwer. He's been doing a lot of those panels this summer. Yeah. Um, so maybe they could have told uh, Katie McGraw it was a book club, and she would have uh, stumbled <laughs> into the frame <laughs> with like a cup of tea. Like, oh, are we not discussing? <laughs> <laughs> that would have been awesome though uh yeah it, there was no supergirl pan there was a lot of we'll talk about the, the the other supergirl content in dc fandom but uh but yeah i was a little disappointed that there was no uh supergirl t uh, talking about like the storytelling and the characters and things like that you know the the broader aspect of like the social justice stuff was i don't know i was like we already kind of deal with that on the show like i don't know i don't know it, it, it's one of those things where like the show is so full of that, that I kind of don't want to see a panel of that, you know, it's like, and a lot of people really, really want it like a dedicated panel to the show. Like I, I, I was enjoying the panel as I was watching it. I'm excited to finish it. But like a lot of people just want it like a super girl. Cause there was a, if I, if I'm right, I think that there was a Batwoman panel. There might've been a legends panel or like a, there was a legends like, panel. There was a legends panel. I did really want to watch that. I'm really kicking myself now. Um, <laughs> I would have zoned out on my phone 10 minutes in though. So I probably did myself a favor. <laughs> um, but like there was a, le a legends, there was Batwoman. There is, I think maybe like black lightning. Um, but like a lot of the shows had their own panels and Supergirls kind of felt like she was like kind of left out in the cold, which is usually legends whole thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be forgotten. <laughs> well, I understand it. I mean, you know, the, the star of the show is, uh, 
about to have a baby, had a baby. I don't know. I, I don't know where she is in the process. In the baby um, process. She's she's in the baby, uh, the baby birthing process somewhere. Um, so I, I understand that, you know, you can't get the star of the show, but it would have been nice to have something talking about um, uh, the show. Yeah. Leslie says that there was a Batwoman Legends and Black Lightning panel as well as a flash panel. Yeah. So every everybody else was represented. Uh Supergirl got in there, but it was barely, barely. Um so there was that. Supergirl. It would that was not my favorite uh panel. She can't was, she can't even get a dedicated panel in the fandom. <laughs> she can't get storylines for herself. She can't, <laughs> she can't get her own fandom panel. Man, Supergirl. <laughs> And Times she, are tough. <laughs> she, she recently passed, you know, 60, uh, six decades. I mean, she's yeah. been around for a long time. I mean, give her some respect. This is all we're saying. <laughs> um, so that was not my favorite panel. There were other panels that were a lot more interesting, but I wanted to start with that first since uh, we did have some uh, some actors from Supergirl on there. Um, so we did. Uh, so, well, uh, we did get and I watched the behind the scenes of the Arrowverse crossover uh, panel, which had Mark Guggenheim, uh, who's who's been a, in a ton of different positions in the Arrowverse. He's been a writer. He's been a showrunner. He's been a producer on a lot of shows. I think he even directed an episode of Legends of Tomorrow. Um, so Mark Guggenheim does a lot of stuff, especially with the crossovers. He's he's kind of the head honcho there. Uh, Phil Chapera, I think is how you say his name, uh, who's the first assistant director on The Flash. Uh, Maya Manny, who is costume designer on Batwoman. Linda Chapel, who's property master on DC's Legends of Tomorrow. She was on several panels that I watched. Uh, Armin, uh, Armin Kevorkian, who is the senior visual effects supervisor on Batwoman, The Flash, and Supergirl. Uh, they were all on... Uh, this panel talking about how they do the crossovers and they um, they talked a lot about crisis, but they also uh, showed some stuff about some of the other crossovers. And I personally, uh, th what, the, what I found most interesting about this was the scheduling part of it. I know that sounds really um, uh, too technical and uninteresting, but I actually thought that was kind of fascinating. Just see, they showed some examples of like, what they use to to get all of these people from all these different shows together <laughs> and it's just it's amazing the kind of what they have to do and it was all these like oh my Excel god spreadsheets <laughs> and all this kind That's of stuff a nightmare i mean just to know that all of this is going on behind the scenes and somebody actually has to sit down and figure out how you get all of these people <laughs> into these different scenes and I, I just thought it was really cool. And so they did show a close-up of uh, the Supergirl cast and and where they fit into. Uh, so this was obviously Elseworlds because uh, Deegan Superman is in there. Uh, but so I, I thought that, to me, that was fascinating to, to see some of the production aspects of the crossovers, um, even though, uh, you know, they didn't uh, have any special bells and whistles in the panel. That to me was a <laughs> special bell, bell and whistle. That that spreadsheet was was truly terrifying, and it kind of like <laughs> it like took me back to like the um the spreadsheets I would make for um San Diego Comic Con, where I'd be like this press room at this time, this panel at this time. They're at the same time. How will I get from one end of the convention center to the other? <laughs> when will I eat? <laughs> like I would just put I would just put like food question mark in there. <laughs> <laughs> so it really taken it back. Since I, I couldn't go to Comic-Con this year, that's probably the closest I'll get is looking at a color-coded uh, Excel spreadsheet. Yeah, I, it sounds like uh, Phil Chapera, the first assistant director on The Flash, it, it seemed like a lot of that scheduling fell on him. 
And he was the guy who had to do a lot of that. So good on him. Job. Good job, Phil. <laughs> so that is a brutal job, but he's he's successfully done it uh, these these many years in. Um, so I I found that I really liked a lot of these um, these sort of behind the scenes production panels. So uh, there was another one called uh, the Super Designers Behind the Super Suits. And this panel featured Colleen Atwood from Arrow, The Flash, and Supergirl. She designed all of the pilot costumes. So Barry's first Flash costume, uh, Oliver's original, uh, uh, I guess it, it would have just been the hood at that point. He wasn't the green arrow. <laughs> right. Um, and then uh, Supergirl's original suit with the, um, the skirt, uh, Colleen Atwood uh, uh, designed those. Uh, she was joined by Lindy Hemming from the Dark Knight trilogy and Patty Jenkins' uh, Wonder Woman films. I love Lindy Hemming. I love, I love her so much. She's Wonder Woman has some like choice costumes, like great outfits. <laughs> yeah, Wonder Woman. And um, I really loved what she did in The Dark Knight Rises with Anne Hathaway's Catwoman. Oh uh, yeah, with, with, the, with the goggles and the and the the heels and everything, just such a, such a cool uh, idea. And uh, Lindy Hemming, she, I've been a fan of hers for for many years. So, uh, and then uh, the other the other designer was Aaron. I think Banak is how you say it uh, from Harley Quinn: Birds of Prey, which which was called something else. It was like the Fantabulous Emancipation of One oh, Harley from, Quinn from like Harley Quinn, Harley Quinn. That the, yeah. The from the birds of prey but that's that's now the new title is harley quinn is it really in birds of prey yeah i mean it's more accurate to the the content of the movie so i guess i can't argue when i went to go see birds of prey i was like a lot of harley quinn in this birds of prey <laughs> <laughs> but uh oh the costumes are great in that one too yeah uh there were there were uh, they talked about uh harley's um uh that jacket that she uh, has the caution, with like the, the caution tape or whatever yes i love yeah. that and the, the jacket that she has with like the the stuff that's like kind of like a confetti almost that looks like it's coming off the arms yeah she, there were some some good costumes in birds of prey but all these ladies it was so it was so neat to see them talking to each other because i've been a fan of colleen atwood and i've been a fan of lindy hemming so i was kind of geeking out like when they would talk to each other and have interactions with each other so i had a good time about that and uh, I just thought I would pull a, a little clip of uh, what Colleen Atwood uh, said about the Supergirl suit, because I thought this was interesting. There was part of this that I had not heard before. So uh, here is Colleen Atwood talking about Supergirl's super suit. Colleen, I'm just curious about um, taking the Supergirl costume um, from Superman, turning it into Supergirl. What was your process there? And was there like any sort of backstory or tidbit that you have that you want to share with us? Well, Supergirl's been around a long time. They didn't just decide to make a girl Superman. She's has a history. True. And it was pretty funny looking at it in the Me Too world has come out since then and all that. But she had some very scant costumes at certain phases in her development over the years. And she reflected each period she was sort of in. So it was really fun to look back at all the different manifestations of Supergirl and to try to figure out a Supergirl for our time. And I think for me, that was the year the Met Ball, almost everybody was naked and it really annoyed me. And I was just like, you know, they all looked great and all that. But I was like, I'm going to dress Supergirl in a way that's sort of not reactionary, but just in a way that's so classic that, that she works for any, any all seasons. So that was sort of my starting point with it. It wasn't like a bare midriff and, and that, but she was actually 
clothed in the same kind of costume almost that a guy would have, but but it was a woman's costume so without that, making it like an army thing or trousers or stuff. It still had, was feminine. It had a skirt, but I really wanted it to be strong and show her strength as a person, not just a super body because she was kind of the first one CW had done that was a woman. There was a lot of, you know, a lot of opinionate uh, things, but I had total support actually from DC and the, and the guys there on where I went with it. And, you know, it evolved over the years since it's been out, but, but it was a fun challenge and, and just kind of getting it sort of classic. And then, you know, it could go wherever, like almost like a fresh start. So basically you just, you kept uh, Supergirl classy, which yeah. ladies love. I had, <laughs> I had never heard that bit about the Met uh, Gala. I had never heard Colleen Atwood <laughs> talk about that, about how she was so annoyed that everybody was naked all the time. That's so cool. That's so funny. And I, I love, you know, if you're listening to this in audio, you wouldn't be able to see all the different, like, comic panels that they were showing to back up her point about some of the ridiculous um, Supergirl outfits where, like, the, uh, the, the skirt was just getting lower and lower on her hips. <laughs> yes. and, and, like, I don't think gravity works that way, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it was it sounded like she had done her research and i love like right off the bat she was like supergirl's her own character they didn't just make up a supergirl I, yeah I love exactly she, yeah i loved she i love that uh that initial costume like from the you know the first season and stuff like that i thought that costume was i, I i've gotten used to the pants i've embraced the pants uh melissa's obviously warmer but uh i in my heart i like the uh, i like the skirt tights boots combo yeah i think it's it's so supergirl and she did such a good job with it and and she uh used it in a way that it was part of the story about how when uh, helps her make the the costume so the stitching on it looks like somebody stitched it at home you know so i i think that that was uh, a great idea in terms of using the story and the script because she talked about it that in the panels that she starts with the script and, and the story so that's very evident in the the melissa benoist supergirl suit with the, the skirt uh joshua says the original supergirl suit on the show is part of why i started watching uh it's a great suit uh it i think great. I, I think uh um that it was uh, well done. And uh, Colleen Atwood has a track record of uh, doing these uh, so well. I think she also did the Batwoman uh, suit uh, for the, oh, I could, for the Batwoman woman pilot. Probably. I mean, the Batwoman suit is really, uh, I have my issues with the hair, but yeah. the Batwoman, <laughs> the Batwoman's maybe they'll solve those next year. But, uh, but the Batwoman suit itself, I think is really cool. Yeah, everybody seems to to like the original suit, the the one uh, that Colleen Atwood designed. Um, so, Colleen Atwood, we're all big fans of the skirt. We miss it, um, but uh, <laughs> thank you for what you've done for the show and for the character of Supergirl. Because I, I think, to her point, uh, having a costume that is sort of for all seasons, that as she talked about that you can watch that 20 years from now and it'll still be a good suit. You know? Yeah. So it's, I, I think it's, that, it's timeless. It's not super yeah. trendy. There's like, yeah, I, I can imagine lo looking back on this years from now and not being like, she was wearing what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, it will, um, it will, it will stay um, true to the character and it will be something that uh, people from 
uh, all walks of life many, many years from now will still embrace. So I, I think that was a good choice. All right. Well, the next panel that we're going to talk about that I watched, it was another sort of behind the scenes sort of panel with the Supergirl, uh, with a, a member of the Supergirl uh, crew. It was called Propping Up a Set. And the panelists were all, I think, all property masters. Matthew Wilson from Supergirl, Lin Linda Chapel from DC's Legends of Tomorrow, uh, Drew uh, Petrata from the, Su the Suicide Squad, not Suicide Squad, The Suicide Squad. Is that if the new one? Yes. That's the new one, right? Yes. <laughs> the Suicide Squad, new movie. Suicide Squad, <laughs> older old movie. movie. Yes. <laughs> so you, that's how you know it's different. It's a different movie. <laughs> uh, Andy Siegel from Harley Quinn, Birds of Prey uh, was also on the panel as well as Anna Lynch Robinson from Wonder Woman 1984. And, oh uh, man, did did, uh, did she have some fun stuff to say about like all the 80s stuff? Uh, they did talk about how it was, uh, it, it was, it was a little difficult for them to go back and find things from, from the eighties and, and recreate some of the looks of the eighties. So I think it was more difficult than we would think. <laughs> there's not a bunch of just like fanny packs and uh, neon <laughs> lying around. I think they probably, probably, but with your hair to the, the side, <laughs> That's true. was that maybe just child style from the eighties? <laughs> <laughs> That's true. That was so the look back then. Um, but yeah, it, it did sound like it was pretty difficult for them. Uh, so that, that was pretty interesting on the film side of things. Uh, Matthew, Wilson from Supergirl, he had some props in the, the background of his shot, which I thought was very fitting that a property master would be like, <laughs> I got to dress my shot. I got to make it look good. So he had one of the uh, flying monkeys from, I think it was <laughs> shot. Awesome. Uh, what was that episode called? Somebody help me out in the chat. I'm blanking on it right. A shot, shot from the heart. Shot through the heart. Shot through the heart. Uh, that's the lyric from Bond Jovi. to blame. <laughs> Sorry, Jersey here. <laughs> No, that's that's correct. Uh, but I think it was from that episode, one of the flying monkeys that goes into the DEO, um, which is such a cool prop. I mean, actually, you can see the flying monkey head really well. Yeah, you in, really can. In this terrible low res, uh, low quality uh, screen grab that I got. But um, but I actually hadn't uh, noticed the flying monkey head until just now. But uh, I thought it was cool that he had uh, one of the flying monkeys with him during the panel. So uh, he seems like a really interesting guy. And I uh, I I applaud the stuff that he is able to create on a regular basis for Supergirl because a lot of those props that they have, like I was thinking about the staff of Kolar, like all those, you know, those big things. Um, so uh, I think I actually, do I have a clip? Did I talk about some of that stuff? I can't remember what Pastor Rebecca talked about and what, <laughs> what I need to talk. Uh, but yes, Pastor Rebecca does have a clip. So we'll go to the clip, see what she has to say, and we'll come back. I like that DC fandom is highlighting the people who don't get a lot of attention. A lot of the time we always see their work and what they do is really remarkable, especially in Supergirl. There's a lot of, I would love to talk to that guy. I would love to talk to Matthew Wilson about the things that he's created because there's so many really awesome props. I mean, like the staff of Kolar, uh, Alex's kryptonite sword from season one. There's so many really, really neat things that they've come up with on the show that I would love to pick somebody's brain about because I can't build that kind of thing. So I, I'm always in awe of the things that these people are able to create and build. And so I think it's really cool that they're using DC fandom 
to highlight some of these people and, and give them a, a voice and so that they can share their perspective of working on these shows. It's not just the actors. It's not just the writers or the directors. There's a whole bunch of people on these crews and these uh, teams that make these things come alive and make these things happen. So I think it's cool that they're they're showcasing them. And we definitely need to try to get him on Supergirl Radio. Oh my gosh, that'd be so fun. That yeah, he's he's on he's on my list. Were, so were we'll, there any fun um, Supergirl prop tidbits from that one? Not that I can remember. Um, I I mainly just focused in on that uh, flying monkey. But, <laughs> the uh, flying monkey's so cool. <laughs> but uh, but it it was sort of um, neat to learn more about what a property master does, and uh, that there was even a title. Uh, called property master. Uh, I just I would normally just refer to somebody like that as the props guy. I yeah. don't know what it's called, but the official title is property master. So I learned a little something there. Um, but yeah, so that was um, it was interesting, and especially with a lot of these um, behind the scenes thing. It's interesting that they put the film people and the TV people in panels and to hear the differences uh, the in the the pros and cons of working on a film set or a TV show and <laughs> hearing their, uh, there were a couple of times where that came <laughs> up where they, they, they sort of uh, nudged each other a little bit about that. So that was, that was pretty funny. All right. So the other uh, behind this, well, there's a couple more behind the scenes uh, panels that I watched. So the next one that we're going to talk about is the magicians of VFX making Supergirl and Shazam fly. Ooh. And the panelists on this one were Armin Kevorkian, senior visual effects supervisor from Supergirl, Jesse Warren, a co-executive uh, producer and director on Supergirl, Jennifer Clark, who is Melissa Benoist's stunt double from Supergirl. Nice. Um, also from Shazam, uh, I think Carrie or Kari Thomas, visual effects producer, Michael Wassel, visual effects supervisor, Adam, oh, this is going to be a tough one. <laughs> I, I, I hope I do not. I'm uh, not trying it. Butcher <laughs> this last name. Laga, Lagatuta, Lagatuta, maybe. Visual effects co-producer, Wesley Barker, visual effects production supervisor from Shazam. Um, so this, this was a, a good pairing, I thought. Um, and I thought this would have actually made... If he were uh, able to see it, the Supergirl co-creator uh, co Otto Bender, uh, I think he, personally he would have loved to have seen this panel because not only did he create the character of Supergirl, but he also created characters within the Captain Marvel or now called the Shazam universe, Ooh. including Mary Marvel. So I think this uh, this pairing of Supergirl and Shazam would have delighted him to no end. Um, in this panel, like I uh, talked about uh, a little bit ago, uh, the panelists talked about the uh, visual effects differences between film and television, and mostly because film has more time to create them. Um, because initially, the Shazam crew uh, talked about how you know, oh gosh, we only have a year to do uh, to do this effect. And uh, Armin Did, Kevorkian were the Supergirl people just in tears. <laughs> yeah. Armin Kevorkian was like, I wish I had a year to do some of the stuff that we do. So it was neat to um, see that they uh, had differences in the way they operated and uh, what the differences were between film and television. And one of the things that they showed during the panel was a clip of a behind the scenes shot of Spike the Dragon. <gasps> um, so this, this, that was Spike. something 
<laughs> was something that I really enjoyed seeing um, because they focused on the flying aspect. So Shazam flies, Supergirl flies. So they they showed the differences in how um, you know they created those effects, and so they focused a lot on the sequences um, in the panel when they would show clips. They showed clips of the uh, plane save and the pilot over Auto Bender Bridge. Ooh. And then they also showed a lot of stuff with um, Spike the Dragon because that's a <laughs> that's a midair flight. Supergirl and, and Spike fly a lot during that sequence. So it was neat to see, uh, you know, how they, I mean, obviously they do it a lot with green screen because there is no dragon. There's no real dragon. So they, you have, they have to create him. Um, but it was neat to see how they actually rigged up Spike the Dragon's uh, jaw, I guess. Um, so <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's crazy looking so that Melissa would actually have something to physically interact with. So that was pretty cool. That's so cool. I, I always love to watch like the behind the scenes for the visual effects because it's always like, you know, you're seeing something crazy and it's like an actor like yelling at a tennis ball. and It always makes me laugh. Like I don't like that's where, you know, I, I get impressed with like the magic of acting because I don't know that I could be like crying to a tennis ball. <laughs> <laughs> you do have to use your imagination. Love you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the the remarkable thing about Melissa is that Spike the Dragon is CGI, but her interactions with it are so genuine and so real um, that you believe it. Or at I least I, at least I do. And the way she treats Spike like a little little puppy dog. Um, I, I think it's just so endearing. And so Melissa, uh, I mean, we, we know she's a great actress, but she it, it's very evident with those scenes where she's having to make believe that she's interacting with this alien dragon. Uh, so I think that's uh, really cool. Let's see. I'm trying to see if there um, were any comments. So Leslie says the Magic of Flying panel was very good and made me even want to see Shazam. I think you should. Uh, Shazam was actually really great. And um, I think it's a, it's, it was, uh, some parts of it were a little um, more serious than I thought they'd be. Uh, yeah. They deal with the uh, sort of the seven deadly sins. So a lot of that, I, I was surprised at how scary it got at one point. It um, did actually. Yeah, you're right. But, uh, but there was a, a surprise sort of at the end that I just geeked out over. I was so excited. Um, I don't want to spoil it for anybody. Uh, but if you know about Shazam, you know that, um, there's something special about his family. That's all I'm going to say. Okay. Um, so anyway, so I thought that was a good pairing. It was, it was a good panel. So um, I, I highly uh, enjoyed that. Um, uh, should Spike become one of the super pets? I mean, okay. I, I love Spike. Let's, let's get more dragons on Supergirl. Let's tell the vision, the poor visual effects people who are already overworked that we want to just make a dragon, like a permanent cast member. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's possible. Why not? Um, they're, they're like Spike the, the dragon uh, is actually played by this random dude because <laughs> we can't, we don't have the budget. <laughs> uh, I would hate for him to uh, turn into a human because that's sort of common thing. So, so <laughs> yeah, we, we don't want to step on any horse hooves uh, there. <laughs> yeah. Rachel wonders would uh, William's comment be friends with Spike. Um, I mean, who wouldn't be friends with Spike? Uh, he's, right. he's a treasure. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they, they did talk a lot about how, uh, they, well, they were joking. I think Armin was joking about how, you know, Game of Thrones had a lot of dragons and they would have like a year to do all their dragon stuff. <laughs> so the Supergirl <laughs> folks probably uh, only had 
uh, maybe a couple months. Oh man, it's it's I, I can't imagine their schedule because you know you talk about like Game of Thrones and things like that. Like they they were putting out like ten episodes a year. They had tons of lead time. Supergirl's like twenty two episodes a year. Oh my god. They they um, get a lot of crap. Supergirl does for their effects, and sometimes rightfully so. Sometimes <laughs> warranted. But you know what? I respect that time crunch. That's not ever. You know what? The perfect is uh, the enemy of the good. And sometimes, sometimes you just gotta go with whatever is happening. <laughs> I'm trying to think of like a one that was like especially not that great this season. But oh, I I remember it was it was early on, maybe the. Was it the premiere? <laughs> um, there, well, uh, there was a premiere, a moment where they walked into that theater. Do you remember, like, there was like, um, like stuff happening in the ceiling, like a vortex or something? Do you oh, remember? We, we <laughs> talked. And then there, then there was also that moment where uh, Supergirl was having to fly, but she didn't like f fly smoothly. It just went zoop. I don't, know, oh, yeah. I, don't, I don't know if you remember that, but it was it was so bad. I think the one that I'm thinking of is mostly like the when Megan came back and then suddenly they were like off in space, like fighting something. And I was like, what's ha what's <laughs> happening? But uh, like that production schedule is ruling like the, the level of effects that Supergirl like consistently has given their production schedule is is crazy how good they are. Uh, Leslie corrected me. It was a black hole. Black, no, that's true. Thing technically uh, uh, <laughs> uh leslie also points out that one of the bad ones from this season was indeed alex's suit <laughs> uh so some some of them were really great like the spike the dragon sequence and then there's alex's suit so uh, you, <laughs> you can't some, win you them all folks yeah you <laughs> win some you lose some uh so i that was that was a great panel and i, I was glad to see uh them focusing on um the good aspects of the supergirl effects all right, so I think the last Supergirl sort of technical behind the scenes uh, panel that I watched was called Capturing the Action in Still Frame, and it featured Katie Yu from The Flash, Supergirl, and Batwoman, Clay Enos from Watchmen, Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, Donald Justice, Wonder Woman, Wonder Woman 1984, uh, Steve Wilkie from Titans and Shazam, and Jessica Miglio from The Suicide Squad, not Suicide Squad, The Suicide Squad, and from Gotham. And this panel was about unit photographers is what they're what they're called, their uh, proper title. Um, and these are the photographers who are on set who take pictures uh, while the scenes are being shot. So they take pictures of the scenes as they're shooting them, as well as the behind the scenes aspects of the production. So sometimes if you see pictures of the director with the actor. These are the people taking those pictures. And these images that they take are used for marketing as well as just recording the history of the show or the film, uh, which is really cool because if, you, if you're a big classic film fan like me and like you see all these pictures from way, way back in the day of these films, you know, that that's really important for the history of those things. So, uh, so we as fans see their images all the time and uh, so uh, I'll, I'll, I'll maybe toss it to uh, Pastor Becca because she has some thoughts about this. That's another one of those panels that I, I think is really neat to highlight those people who we see their work all the time, all the time. I can't tell you how many times I've seen either those Supergirl images or the images from, say, Batman v Superman. And there are people who actually have to take those pictures. Somebody is taking those pictures behind the scenes. And I, that would be such a cool job. I would, I'd have so many questions for them. Like, how do you, 
keep quiet? How do you uh, still be that, you know, that fly on the wall without being noticed? How, how do you do that? How do you stay quiet? Because I, I would I would have a hard time with that. Just, you know, um, is it part of the camera? Do you have a special camera that's very quiet? Like, I don't know. I have so many questions for those people. Um, I just think it's like, that's probably, to me, that's one of the coolest jobs on a, a film or a TV uh, crew because you you get to be part of it. You get to be in there. You get to see everything being shot and your images go out there and they, they're part of what either sells the TV show or the movie or like Clay was talking about, it becomes history when people go back and look at the history of the film or the TV show, those are the images that they'll see before they even see the visual, um, you know, motion images, the film or the, the TV show, they'll see those, those images. And that's really, really important. And I just, that would be such a cool job. Uh, Cause I don't know some, sometimes I, I, in my past, I've, I've wanted to be a filmmaker or a TV director or something like that, but it does seem like there's a lot of pressure that goes into that. But a, a unit photographer, you don't have to worry about making the film. You just got to get those shots. And so the, it comes with its own pressures, but I, I, that, that to me would be a lot more fun. Cause then you wouldn't have to worry about the end product. You, you just get to take pretty pictures. Yeah, so I enjoyed that one a lot. Clay Enos is one of my favorite photographers, period. Um, he works on all the, the Snyder films. And he has, I know he has it somewhere. He's got a port. He does a lot of portrait photography. So he does a lot of um, face uh, pictures. Oh, nice. Uh, it's like face portraits. Mm -hmm. um, he, I have a book. I don't know where it is at the moment. But I have a big book of his Watchmen portraits. He uh, went around and took like pictures of all like, the main cast, but then even extras who were in Watchmen. Oh, and wow. So he has these beautiful pictures of all these these people. And I know he has somewhere in his collection, he has portraits of uh, Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor and Amy Adams as Lois Lane. And I want to know where they are. Needs, <laughs> release I, them, sir. <laughs> release the portrait photography. Hashtag release <laughs> the portrait photography. Um, but I know that they exist because there was some picture of like a bvs premiere or something and they were all like hanging up on the wall and i was like what is that where where <laughs> is that picture bring me that <laughs> so i know he's got a he's he's got portrait photography of amy adams as lois lane somewhere and he, he, i don't think he's ever released it so i'm i'm waiting for the the day he he makes a book like the watchman book and puts all that bvs stuff in there oh that's <laughs> awesome i mean i feel like that's that's got to be coming Oh, please, please make that happen. It's Rebecca so would buy it. <laughs> I would so buy it. I don't even care if it's like $100. I'd buy it. I mean, I know that's a lot of money for a book, but still, that I would pay it. I, it's worth it. Did they talk about how you get into that field? Because that, to me, is, like, really interesting. Like, the idea, like, I, I've known that there's been, like, set photographers because, like, when you work in the press, you'll usually get, you know, a bunch of the episode photos. And, I, you know, obviously, those don't come out of nowhere. But, like, yeah, like, how do you end up? That's a, like such a, it feels like it's such a specialized um, aspect of uh, photography. Like what a cool job to get. Yeah. I, I don't think they talked about how they got into it and maybe they did and I forgot, but I think a lot of times it's who, you know, so, and I think especially if it's a director who likes your work, like if they see your work and they, mm -hmm. uh, and you do a good job. Like I think when Clay Eno started, he started on Watchmen on Zack Snyder's Watchmen 
and Zach just really liked his stuff. And so he, he brings him on every set, every set he goes on. So uh, you can probably know if you do a good job that that director is going to bring you back and, and have you do more stuff for them. Um, yes, yeah, seriously. But yeah, Clay's done some really cool stuff. Uh, a lot of his Wonder Woman 1984 uh, photography is top notch. So uh, if you see, if you ever get to go see Wonder Woman 1984. <laughs> one day, one day I'm going to get to see Chris Pine in a fanny pack. It's my dream. <laughs> one day we'll be able to see that film. And if you do and you see a poster for it, that's probably Clay Enos's work. Um, but yeah, so I, I that was one of my favorite panels just because um, I like to fancy myself as a photographer, although I'm not. Um, but I, I do some photography for events. So I kind of know how that is to try to be sort of the fly on the wall that nobody notices you. And, and it's very difficult. I don't know. <laughs> that, that's what I don't understand how they do is how they um, do all that stuff and, and not make a lot of noise. Oh, yeah. No, I've had to I've had to do that before. And people definitely notice you like just act natural. They're like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is staring not. directly into the camera. You're like, no, that's not what I need. <laughs> it is difficult. So uh, so props they, for them. <laughs> if they do it well, that means they are good photographers. Um, so I highly recommend uh, checking out uh, Clay Enos's work. But uh, if you're interested in the Supergirl, you know, photographer, her name is Katie U. So uh, why U? So if you want to check out her stuff, that is who that is. Very cool. All right. So the last panel I watched was sort of tangentially. Is that the word related to Supergirl? Yeah. It was the Superman and Lois panel. And this had Jim Lee, who is the publisher and chief creative officer of DC Comics, Todd Helbing, who is executive the the executive producer of Superman and Lois, Tyler Hecklin, who of course plays Clark Kent and Superman, and Elizabeth Tulk, who plays Lois Lane. Um, hmm. I <coughs> so not I guess <laughs> so. My question is: it, it did it um, did it make any of our fears less likely? It confirmed all of my fears. Oh, no. Yeah. So. <laughs> Rebecca and I have been chatting about, like, some of the descriptions that have been coming out about this show. Like, wait, are they doing a love triangle right out of the gate? Like, what's happening? And so I just kind of was hoping that maybe they had changed their mind on anything. <laughs> no, that was addressed. And uh, you'll get to see in uh, in uh, not real, well, in real time, uh, past Rebecca's reaction to, uh, <laughs> to what she heard. So uh, uh, we'll come back and discuss it after you watch this. Can you talk a little about, uh, as they go to Smallville, kind of the other elements of the other uh, members of the supporting cast and how they kind of want to activate the different roles. You know, we were talking the other day about how love triangles are really important Oh, good grief. Jim Lee, why did you bring up the L word, the love triangle word? Why? Why? I knew it. Why? No one cares. We've seen this. This is a story we've all seen before. No, I reject it. Oh. Well, at least there's that. So why would you introduce that then? Why would you even introduce it? Her husband and, and 
Oh, Lord. Oh, no. Multiple love triangles? You had me at the family dynamic. That was enough. The raising of the teenage sons with the, with the conflict of their jobs. That is enough. There's no need for a love triangle. Ugh. It just zaps all the excitement I, I might have for the show. It just, ugh. So Pastor Rebecca did not have a lot of pleasant <laughs> thoughts. Oh, my God. <laughs> imagine, imagine if you will, somebody gives you uh, on a plate. They're like, here are two of the coolest characters ever. Here's Superman, a very cool character. And here's Lois Lane, the coolest character ever. Yes. And you can do whatever you want with them. <laughs> the sky's <laughs> the limit. And your choice is, I'm going to make them married. We're going to give them teenagers. Okay, cool. All right, I'm good. I'm good. And then there's going to be this like love triangle. They're married. Remember, they're married. <laughs> so it's going to be like just a hint of adultery. Wait, I'm sorry. <laughs> what? <laughs> like, I don't, I just don't understand the thought process that goes into like you have great characters. You have good cast. You got good chemistry. We already know, you know, we've seen Tyler and we've seen, um, what's her name? Elizabeth, I think. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm it's a you've got a good cast there you don't need the artificial drama well their their excuse is todd helping uh tried to explain was oh well they're going back to smallville and he you know clark's gonna still have these feelings for lana it's like no that's a choice you're making you don't yeah. have to take them back to smallville i was actually really excited about getting to see metropolis like I, was, I was hoping that metropolis would be where and they were like no we're going back to Smallville, and, and, and i thought Okay, all right, let's back up. So Clark and Lois are going to be in Smallville, and he's going to ha be having feelings for Lana Lang, and there's a hint of a love triangle. Haven't we seen this show before? We sure have. We sure have. Uh, and you know Didn't what? It last for 10 seasons? <laughs> it did. And if, if it's not Kristen Kirk being mad about secrets and lies, I honestly don't care. I don't <laughs> care. <laughs> That's I don't the care. only way you would watch it. Listen, Kristen per Kirk put her flag down on Lana Lang and <laughs> love it or hate it. She like, I don't I don't care about the other <laughs> the other Lana Lang. I, <sighs> I mean, I, I get it in a certain respect that there's a lot of um, love triangle stuff in the Superman mythos because there have been. But this is this is a bad choice. I'm with you. Like Tyler and Elizabeth seem like they're they're excited about this. They've done a pretty good job so far. I've sort of warmed up to Tyler. I didn't like him as much in the beginning, but I've, I've sort of warmed up to his Superman. And so I could be on board with this. I could be really excited about where this could go, but ooh, that deflates a lot of excitement I might've had for it. And, and Elizabeth, uh, was it Tulak? Is that her, how you pronounce her name? I think it's Tulloch. Tulloch. I really like her Lois Lane. I think that she gives like a good energy. She's a good Lois. Like, I want to see more of her Lois. I don't want to see her like sitting at the kitchen counter being like, where's Clark? Like, I don't, is he over Lana's again? That's not, I don't want to see that Lois Lane. I don't want that. <laughs> well, and Jessica makes a good point. Even if they weren't married, it would be annoying. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree. I think this, this is like the least interesting thing they could have done with Clark and Lois because they, they talked a lot about how, you know, I mean, Superman's the, you know, the, sort of the world savior and Lois has this really time consuming job of also saving the world. That's, that's enough conflict, I think. Yeah. 
to create yeah, a story. I, I don't I don't understand why TV showrunners always think that like married couples just by themselves are just like dead air and that they have to always inject like a love triangle into the mix. It's like no one wants to watch these ma boring marrieds. Well, then don't like that. Don't make that your show then if you don't know if you don't have a take on that. Yeah, I, I actually think some of my favorite couples on television are ones that were either married or like serious with each other. Yeah, like, I know. I know you've just uh, finished rewatching Lost season five. <sighs> yes. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, Juliet. I mean, that, <laughs> I'm still <and> mourning. <laughs> they, they weren't married, but they were they were. I mean, I mean, Jane, James was going to, and I don't I hate to spoil loss for people, but yeah. he, he was going to propose to Julia. Like they were going to get married. Like, I think that's interesting. Yes. I, think, I, so of course there were also other interesting things were going on in that show, like <laughs> time travel and, and good versus evil. I, I feel like if you build your show with enough interesting components, you don't have to inject like artificial drama into relationships to make them interesting. Like just have two interesting characters who have interesting personalities and have an interesting dynamic and then build an interesting show around them. Like, if you're injecting romantic drama in it, to me, that's like, oh, well, we didn't put anything interesting into this thing. So what are we going to do? Just watch them watch movies and eat popcorn? Yeah, it feels lazy to me because I think, to me, if it was my show, I think the unique thing about what they're doing is they're going to have a show with Clark and Lois with kids. That's never been done before. So that's yeah. unique. That's unique and different and fresh. But the love triangle has been done a lot. <laughs> so uh, to Rebecca's point, both her and I have have really been through it with Smallville. We watched <laughs> we were we watched a majority of that show. <laughs> that show went on for a solid decade. <laughs> I don't. Why are you looking back at that show and being like, you know, what take hasn't been seen yet? A love triangle. That show had like was like the Russian nesting doll of love triangles. <laughs> there were like love triangles within love triangles within love triangles. It's like, it's like Lana loves Clark, but also she's kind of into Lex and like Lex, you know, like has feelings for Lana, but also, hey, Clark. <laughs> like, <I don't... laughs> like we've seen it. We've seen every iteration of this. It's just, it's to me, it's the like, it's taking these characters who are really cool and interesting and giving me the least interesting version of them yeah i mean i'll probably still watch it but i mean ugh. i'm gonna i'm gonna try it at least i'm gonna be mad and i'm gonna yell but like <laughs> lois lane's on my tv so there yeah. i am i guess yeah. but yeah. sometimes <laughs> you just have to suck it up as goes lois so goes my nation but you know <laughs> mm, I'm, I'm gonna be cranky i'll tell you that much <laughs> oh man yeah i just it's weird they have that really interesting thing about the suns and they were like nope not enough not enough. We gotta throw I was about to say, I'm glad that there's going to be a second love triangle because really, who can have enough? <laughs> why? Why? I just don't understand it. Um, yeah. So that was my reaction to the Superman and Lois panel. Um, I, I really like Tyler and uh, Bitsy is what they call her. That's her nickname. Oh, that's so cute. Um, yeah. It, they're very likable. Uh, they seem to really enjoy playing the characters. And there is a little bit where Jim Lee taught, uh, taught them how to draw the S shield, which is oh, really so cute. cute. So, so, so they drew it and they all had different interpretations of, <laughs> of the S shield. So that was really enjoyable, but oh man, the the love triangle really just ooh, took it down. Did, did you see it was like a week or so ago? Um, uh, 
her, uh, Elizabeth, I guess, or Bitsy, she put up on uh, Twitter um, a call about like, uh, send me your great Lois Lane outfits from like the comics or like times past because they were, I guess they're looking at like costuming for her. And I thought that was so cool because she was like responding to some of them and some of them were like, here's like, you know, this panel from the comics. And she's like, oh, I got that one already. Like, <laughs> I, like I, I think that like, I like her energy. I think that she's really excited about it. It seems like she's doing her research and like, just to, to to give her that it's I don't I'm hoping for the best yeah yeah mm -hmm. no she um she did that before the crisis crossover or maybe it was it was the Elseworlds crossover when she had the purple sweater um some someone on Twitter had sent her Lois Lane in purple which Lois Lane wears purple a lot in the comics and so that's why she ended up with that purple sweaters because she had fan feedback so she's oh that's she's, awesome she's doing that again so uh, to your point I mean she's doing her research she's she's trying to see how she can best honor the character. So hopefully the lowest stuff aside from the triangle will be good. <laughs> uh, so we'll, we'll have to see, but it is not sounding very promising at this point, which is a real shame because I could be very excited about it, but. Whew, you, that's, you think that's, you would learn from people complaining about every love triangle ever? I don't under, I, I don't understand it. It's it's interesting that two people fall in love and love each other. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very, very odd. Well, um, so uh, to continue the Supergirl stuff, there was something that was actually released while DC Fandom was going on. It wasn't inside DC Fandom. It was just uh, released on the DC Comics's uh, YouTube channel while DC Fandom was happening. And it it involved the CW Supergirl stunt team and had them explaining exercises they do with the cast to prepare them for stunts. And Jennifer Clark actually demonstrated some of the core exercises that she and Melissa do uh, to help with flying on the rig. So uh, I'll just uh, pull that up if I can so you can kind of see what she's doing. Oh, why, where did it go? <laughs> it disappeared. All right. All right. Oh, I can't go full screen. That's really, oh. really weird. Wait, actually, let me try something else. This is this is live, everybody. <laughs> all right, just, all right. Let me try something else. Hang on. Uh, let's see. There we go. So she's um. Can you still hear me, Morgan? Yeah, I can still hear you. So this okay. is, I I watched this one because I was like, I need some new exercise. <laughs> and uh, this one was the one where I was like, I want to I want to try this because it, it actually looks fun uh, <laughs> yeah. where you're just like on your stomach and then you like lift your arms and your legs at the same time. I bet it's brutal and it hurts a lot, but it looks fun. You're like, wee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I think they called this the the Supergirl. So um, so, yeah, she does it in the front and then uh, turns around on the back. Um, and it does look like it's very difficult. Uh, she she probably has a very strong core from doing all of this she, stuff. So. She looks like she could do this all day. And I hate <laughs> her a little bit for it. Uh, she's like, okay. And now if you want to get really involved, just roll around on your mat. Just roll back and forth <laughs> doing core exercises, core in the front, core in the back, core in the front. I was like, I was like, you she, know what? Stop. You must be stopped. <laughs> She's just showing off at that point. <laughs> but it's also a hilarious looking, like when she does that roll, it's a hilarious looking exercise because you're just literally rolling from the back to the front. <laughs> but she makes it look so easy, but that probably really would be very hard. I feel like the only part of that I could do was the roll. 
<laughs> Mike comes out. I'm just like flat on my face, rolling. <laughs> I'm getting ready to fly. I got to get ready to fly. The cats walk over like my body. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this uh, this video is available on the DC Comics' YouTube channel, so if you want to go watch it, uh, head over there. It involves Simon Burnett, who is the stunt coordinator. Uh, James, I tried to uh, tried to practice this. Michaelopoulos? Uh, Michaelopoulos? Um, I don't know if I butchered that, but he is the fight choreographer of Supergirl. And then, of course, Jennifer Clark, who we saw uh, do the, the core <laughs> exercises, who is uh, Supergirl stunt double. And Adrian Prasad, who is Brainiac 5 stunt double. And he he showed off a lot of his leg uh, uh, exercises that he does. Yeah, so, those ones um, looked brutal as well. Like, deceptively brutal. He was like, yeah, I'm just getting up on my toes and now I'm doing a squat. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> Well, they have to do a lot of um, New people are unstoppable. <laughs> <laughs> well, they have to they have to do the, um, you know, the landing a lot so that uh, there's a yeah. lot of uh, emphasis on your knees and um, and, and she's always doing that landing thing where she like puts her one arm down and looks up yeah. dramatically. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, so they they really um, uh, know how to train the superheroes on on Supergirl. So that that was that was really neat in a, in a DC fandom where it didn't seem like it had a lot of emphasis on Supergirl. That I appreciated because it featured people exclusively from Supergirl. It wasn't just Nicole Maines and David Harewood with a whole bunch of other people from other shows. This was like a Supergirl thing. So uh, I appreciated that. And now you can start your own Supergirl workout and you can, and when you're deeply in pain, you're like, thanks Supergirl. When you can't can't walk the next day because of those, uh, because of those crunches. (laughs) Well, I'm going to have to try it. Uh, It looks difficult, but uh, maybe it'd be something good to add to my uh, exercise routine. All right. Well, the uh, last two things we're going to talk about in terms of Supergirl stuff is uh, they had an, uh, a Supergirl pilot EP- EPK uh, video, which if you don't know what an EPK is, it's an electronic press kit. And uh, those are mostly behind the scenes footage and interviews that are used for marketing purposes. And this EPK was shot during the production of Supergirl's pilot episode. And um, it uh, it had a lot of things that you would expect of, uh, you know, um, Kara and Catco dealing with Cat and and mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, some interviews with the the cast and the the crew from the first season uh, some Ali Adler some Greg Berlanti some Sarah Schechter I think was in there um, but one of the things that I did not realize uh, that I have a lot of questions about now and I, can you see that did I pull that yeah up? yeah okay um, uh, sorry my Wait, did my... she just fall off an apple box is that she didn't even jump off of any kind of ledge at all so. There's an apple box, but what concerns me is that it looks like they're still up on a roof. <laughs> yes, like it's it it's not it's not like a, a matte painting. It's it's literally a roof somewhere, and there's there's a guy behind the 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 why does padding. she look so close to the edge? <laughs> she could have gotten really close. Like I'm concerned about how close she is to that edge. So I did yeah. not I did not realize they had actually shot that on top of a building. If if that was like me on top of that building, they would have been like, okay, now just fall backwards. And I would have just stayed stu- like rooted to the spot in <laughs> terror. Like, yeah, that's a, my immediate thought was they seem a little bit close to the edge there. Like I would be like, okay, I'll do this stunt in the dead center of the building. <laughs> yes, yes. I have to applaud Melissa Benoist because that that looks like Melissa. I don't think that was the stunt double. No, um, it does. It definitely does. But 
good good for her she 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 did she did that on top of a roof uh i really appreciate that that's Uh, intense that is intense and uh that's why that scene looks so good (laughs) it looks so real it does um so that's what i got out of that epk that i had not seen before um so that was really interesting. And there were two other uh, little featurettes that were kind of in the same vein. Uh, there was one called Supergirl, a world left behind, uh, uh, colon Krypton. And then one called How Supergirl Celebrates Strong Women. And these were two featurettes that were shot during season one of Supergirl. So a lot of this was stuff from past seasons. Like this was a long, long time oh, ago. season one. <laughs> uh, so there was, there was nothing from uh, uh, the current season of Supergirl. And... Um, uh, Pastor Rebecca has some thoughts about it uh, because it was a little difficult for me to watch uh, some of these season one uh, featurettes. So I will let uh, Pastor Rebecca explain why. There's such a shift in how the approach to the show has changed because Ali Adler left and then Andrew Kreisberg left. Some of those early people who gave the show its start. And now we have the showrunners who have gotten us through season four and five, they have a different approach to the show. And it it seems like they do start from a theme and then they build it out from there, which is a little bit different than what they were talking about in this feature at Melissa and Allie talked about the blood bonds and how uh, the blood bonds, all Kryptonians. That is a theme sort of. Uh, blood bonds all kryptonians that's on justice league universe podcast we talk about themes being in a statement so that would be the statement that uh all kryptonians are uh, bonded by their blood well that's based in the characters and the story that's going throughout season one that Kara has this push and pull between earth and krypton because of her and astra and what's going on with Myriad and how that's affecting Earth and her relationship with her sister, uh, with Alex. All of that is about the the character of Kara and her journey trying to figure out where she fits in, where her place is, what her home is. That's not so much like think, thinking of it in terms of a theme and then shoving Kara into that theme. It's a very different approach. And it it breaks my heart a little bit to watch that because season one through three, I would, I would argue are very focused in on trying to tell Kara stories and season four and five. One of my biggest gripes is that I think they've lost sense of that. And I guess when you get into a show that has a hundred episodes and some change under its belt, you feel like maybe as a showrunner, you feel like, well, we've already been there. We've done that. We can't tell any more stories about the lead character. Maybe that's the approach. I don't know. I think that's wrong. I think there should always be more story that you can tell about that character. I think there's plenty of stories left to tell about Kara. And it's um, <laughs> it's a little sad to watch that now going into season six where I, I am constantly concerned that the show has lost sight of why it exists you know you had a a showrunner who knew about kryptonese and talked about the comics and it was very evident especially during season one that they had read supergirl comics i mean 
a lot of that Sterling Gates run pops up in the show. And uh, it's, it's very, um, it's very disappointing as a, as a Supergirl fan to have seen how it's been lost, but uh, I, I will remain a hopeful optimism, uh, hopeful optimist uh, that they will get back to that and that they will want to tell Kara sor- stories and that season six could be the best season ever. I don't know. So um, I hope that that will be something that they think about. Hopefully they will want to tell more Kara stories and have a journey for her as a character in season six. So um, that that was a little harder for me to watch than I expected it to be just because... I have all of this uh, viewing experience, I guess, um, that has come after when this was made. I, I feel like I brought uh, the energy level down, uh, <laughs> and I and I debated whether or not to to play that over the live stream because I was like, that might be too negative. It might be too uh, no, but bumming I, out. I think that, like, when you, even when you mentioned, like, season one and, like, Allie Adler, like, I just thought, like, oh, season one. Like, yeah. I, I just, I think back to those first three seasons with so much, um, like, so much affection, even though, you know, at the time, there were some things I didn't like in season two, and there are some things I didn't like in season three, and, you know, we had our monel, you know, sliding, mm-hmm. our mon sliding scale and everything, but I felt like those stories were at least about her, and, and sometimes she got lost in them, but, like, Overall, those were like seasons about Supergirl started, like you said, started from Supergirl and like what her journey is going to be and then moved out to find the themes, the overall themes of the season. And you're right from the the last two seasons, they have their theme. It's, you know, it's topical or it's (laughs) um, technology, apparently, um, and product launches. And and then they move inwards to like, well, you know what will this person be doing with the product launch? How does this person, how does technology, you know, interact with Kelly? And I, I guess she's now a product specialist and that kind of, <laughs> st- <laughs> I, I, I rag on her, but like, you know, it's, it's like, it's not, sometimes they, they, they let the tail wag the dog a little bit. Like it's, it's the story moving the characters where the story needs it to be instead of the characters, you know, journeys and their growth, taking the stories someplace. So I do miss those early seasons. I feel like it was more Supergirl focused on Supergirl. Yeah. It's just, it's hard to watch those interviews with Allie Adler. Cause like, I just, I think she got it. I think she understood the importance of the character and why Carr was such a good character. And uh, it, ma- it makes me miss somebody who cares about Carr that much. Uh, so uh, Adley Adler, Allie Adler, uh, you know, uh, much respect to what she did for the show and, and how they got it off the ground. Um, so, uh, that's probably all for the, the bumming out of the live stream. <laughs> I think, uh, Mark says change of mood, mood, DC TV after dark prize drink for the house. <laughs> Don't worry. We gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I actually did send, uh, Morgan, the, uh, the video from DC fandom about how to create uh, kryptonite cooler drinks and things it's like so that. Good. <laughs> so it so. looks very complicated though. There's no way I would ever do it. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, there is that if you want it's like, to check first you have to have kryptonite and you have to have mist and i was like you're i'm out, I'm like, I'm out. <laughs> i don't know what you're putting in this drink but i'm, I'm never gonna do that <laughs> okay well um so 
moving in a, a more lighthearted direction, I guess we could talk about some of the interactive things I did. I was very excited Ooh. about the interactive fun things uh, that were mostly geared towards children, probably, but I, <laughs> I enjoyed them. Um, so one of the things that I did that I had a really good time doing uh, was, and I'll see if I can pull this up and make this go full screen, um, was that uh, the DC Comics artist Franco um, showed people how to draw Superman. So I took a stab at drawing Superman myself. I'm no artist. I don't uh, pretend to be. I am <laughs> not somebody who can draw or sketch things, but I, I tried. I attempted it. It, it at least like it's gone well. It at least looks like if he's you had... happy, he's winking. <laughs> you can you can tell he's winking. Okay, that's yeah. Good. I want to know more about his story because he's <laughs> he's, he's clearly winking at me. <laughs> <laughs> so that's good. Well, at least it's uh, resembling. Uh, <laughs> he seems he seems really happy. I think that you should. Are you going to put this up on the Instagram because you totally uh, should. I love it, it. It is on the Instagram. So if awesome. you want to see it again, um, it yeah. is there. So that was my attempt at drawing Superman with Franco. Uh, this was actually what his Superman looked like uh so he did a much better job than, <laughs> than i did um but yeah so that was that was really fun and i wish i had had more time so that i could draw more characters but um but i didn't of course because there was so much to do but uh i enjoy doing that stuff where you get to try your hand at something because i'm not i can't draw i'm not an artist but learning how to do it I, especially if somebody's teaching me how to do it um that's that's an easier way for me to get in that so i enjoyed that a lot yeah, I love when they do those um those like art classes where they teach you very very simply like okay draw a box yes now draw another box <laughs> like I can that's sort of the level of like a like a paint and sip is sort of the level <laughs> of my artistic uh experience so that's I'm I'm I love those yes yes it's it's helpful when they're like well it's really just a triangle shape is what it is everybody can draw a triangle it's fun <laughs> um so that was a lot of fun and then uh i also watched artists around the world uh uh how uh artists around the world draw how i broke into comics and this was was with uh the dc comics cover artist stanley uh quotes art germ lao and he is from singapore and he's a big fan of the cw supergirl and he um, drew Supergirl for us. And he, he wanted to talk about uh, how he wanted to emphasize Supergirl's humanity in her face. And he talked about how he, his style is a blend of Eastern and Western art. So uh, I'll show you a little bit of that and you can uh, determine whether or not you think he accomplished uh, his job. Um, but I, I think he did a really good job and it was neat to hear him talk about Supergirl while he was drawing. And um, I think, in my opinion, I think the things that he was talking about and what he wanted to accomplish with his art, I think really came through. And he actually has, I think, a Supergirl back there on his shelf. Oh, it looks um, like it. Uh, but yeah, the, uh, definitely pay attention to her face when you actually get to see a little bit more of it <laughs> when he starts inking her. Um, but I, I think it really comes through in terms of her humanity and and being a, an approachable character, I think, um, is is very important for Supergirl. And I think he did a really good job. I feel like watching really talented artists draw is like my my new ASMR. Like the, I could just <laughs> I could just watch this. I find it very calming. It's like it's something I could never do. And there's something so like so nice to watch somebody just be that talented and like just do it so easily. I 
I could never do that either. And I mean, like, it- like, look, at he doesn't even look like he's like putting in a, any effort. He's just like, oh, this is how I do it. And like, yeah, he's just he's just doing a sketch like, no, just, oh, just, a, just a quick sketch of this beautiful drawing of Supergirl. Yeah. If you wanted to see the, yeah, the finished product. Gorgeous, gorgeous. Yeah, it's really, really beautiful. So Very he, expressive face, too. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he did a really good job. So that was that was cool. It was funny to see um, uh, Sterling Gates during fandom say, you've got to watch this. So, <laughs> so I made sure that I watched it because Sterling, Sterling Gates-, Gates tells us to do uh, like to watch something. We're going to do it. Yeah, you have to. Uh, and speaking of art, there was also something that popped up in DC fandom um, that sort of looked like an interstitial uh, that was just something you could click on. And um, uh, I'll, I'll play it and uh, see what you think about it. Wait, <laughs> wait, was that crypto? Yes. Are there going to be super pets? Uh, from what I understand, there is going to be a super pets movie. <gasps> Do you think the comet will be in it? I don't, I <laughs> don't is, know. This I is don't my main know. concern in life now. <laughs> <laughs> so there does seem to be a, a, a super pets movie in the works. I think it's supposed to be coming out in 2021. I'll try to get a good uh, shot of crypto if I can stop it. Stop crypto. Where um he looks so brave. <laughs> he it looks really cute. And um I I imagine if he's gonna be palling around with some super pets. I, I hope there's a streaky, I hope there's an ace the bat hound. Um <laughs> if there if there's a comet, that would be the best. Um, so we'll see. I don't know. I I didn't put it together until I saw somebody on Twitter uh talking about it because there was no context behind it. It just says have a super screening, <laughs> and I was like, What's the screening? What am I supposed to be connecting this? to and uh so it does seem like there is going to be maybe a super pets movie coming out so we got a little bit of a tease for that so that is very fun and exciting i mean i i feel like that's sort of what the um the dc universe is missing is like like creating like a like essentially like pixar movies for (laughs) for kids and uh adults who want to see super pets yeah i think it's uh it's gonna fill a hole in the market for them um, so I think that is uh, very exciting. We'll have to keep our, our maybe eyes they can work Spike in there. <gasps> he is now we've we've made I him mean, a super pet. Yes, he's an so, honorary member. <laughs> so, so we we I, if that when that comes out, we'll have to review it. I think for Supergirl Radio. I think. Oh yeah, because I'm I'm definitely gonna go see it. Like it's gonna be me and a bunch of small children. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll we'll have to do a, re- a review of that. All right, so some of the uh, the more interactive things in terms of like things I got to click on and do. Um, so there was a Chevrolet Trailblazer customizer that I was pretty excited about. Um, there was a thing where you could go in and uh, do I have a video of it? I think I have a clip actually. Um, let me pull up the clip to show you what it was actually. You got to design your own vehicle, your own super vehicle. So uh, there were a couple of different options. I think there was Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. Uh, There might have been a a couple others. I can't remember, but definitely the Trinity was an option. So I designed a couple of uh, Superman cars. So I'll uh, I'll play a clip and just give you an idea about what that looked like. All right, let's go Superman again. We're going to try all the options. Okay. I'm going to go red. Then I'm going to go yellow up top. Okay, that's different. All right, I have not done this yet. Oh, see, I don't I don't like that. I think that's got to be 
I think in order to use that, that's got to that's got to be yellow. Yeah. What's well, sort of like the all gold, the all yellow. Let's see. What would it look like up top? I sort of like all yellow. All right. Yeah, I'm going to stay with the Superman. Ooh, that's cool. Okay, that's cool. I do like that. That's slick. I would drive that car. I would totally drive that car. Okay, and I will show you my uh, my designs, and you can tell me if they're all garbage. No, I'll I'll boardroom or ballroom. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, ten ten wood drive. This is the this is the car that you go to like a fancy event in because like you're you're getting there, you're flying just like he is along the side. So hundred a hundred for this one. Okay. <laughs> I don't like it as much in the yellow, and I'm gonna say because I don't think that he pops as much. Mm. Uh, but but I, I do I like the Superman logo in the front. You know you know what you're getting. Yeah yeah, it's classic, classic branding. I think, right? I think this is this is for more like a like a like a picnic. You're taking this to a picnic because <laughs> it's 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 cheerful. It's yellow. It's happy. <laughs> that is that is true. I could see that. All right, so this is the one I showed in the the video clip. Yeah, so I like this one. I like the I like the Superman in the front. It gives it like a little visual interest. The Superman across the side, it feels it feels a little bit it feels a little bit desperate for attention. It's like <laughs> Superman is driving. <laughs> Superman's driving, right? But he wants you to know it's his car. <laughs> He's like, by the by, I'm Superman. Um, so I feel like you drive this when you're going to an event that you don't want the that you want don't want the paparazzi to find you there but for and you're like how could you have ever known it was me superman here eating with lois lane and she's <laughs> like you're driving the superman car and I, I so i think that's the the car that he pretends to hide in, from the paparazzi from but it's that, like when he's having a really good hair day and he wants to be photographed that's that makes total sense <laughs> I, I, I think that's 100 accurate this one i didn't like Ooh. as much i tried there's this. a lot going on here this yeah. car looks like um like superman and brainiac five like designed it together and when superman walked out of the room brainy was like let's get weird <laughs> <laughs> yeah that one i didn't like as much but i i tried it just for uh just for kicks but yeah definitely looks like brainy went to town on that car <laughs> Good call. i feel like i could have done this for like i could have like made different variations of cars like just forever so i mean respect for just those you doing just those four like yeah morgan what did you do in the fandom i have 57 cars now <laughs> <laughs> yeah i had to stop myself at one point because i could have kept going uh because there were endless uh combinations that you could have done um so that was a lot of fun and i think you can still do that if you mm. want to oh uh, no i uh. <laughs> the, the, the other day i pulled up that link and it still worked but now it looks like it's been shut down well, this is my fault for not not jumping in that fandom. I was I was hoping you could still do it even even if it wasn't in fandom, but uh but there is that. All right. So, one of the other things I did that was sort of interactive was this um this uh Lego Batman memory game and <laughs> uh I dominated this this game. I got all the way to the final level. I think it was level 9 was the end. Dom I mean, I dominated. I mean, my score right now is over 12,000. Uh, so I was really killing this memory game. <laughs> but it took a, but it took quite a quite a long time. 
Um, but uh, it was it was it was very difficult in some respects, even though it's sort of uh, probably geared towards children. But they had different variations of Batman. So that's ah. that's what made it so tricky is that you had to match the exact Batman. That is difficult. I could have uh, legitimately, it's maybe a good thing I didn't go into the fandom because I could have <laughs> played this for hours. They could have been like, Morgan, where are you? Like, you did not show up for work today. And I'm like, I've got them. They're the same <laughs> Batman. Because uh, these things, for some reason, they just like hypnotize me. I could just like play them all day. And I don't have a good memory. So it's very difficult. <laughs> no, it, 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 took, it took me a couple of times uh, to, you know to really um it took me a long time for a couple of these levels because it was difficult in some respects but uh but it was kind of exhausting by the end of level nine i was like oh <laughs> nine levels yes it took me a, a quite a quite a long time uh to to get through them but it was it was it was cool the way it was designed you had all the lego figures um it wasn't just batman you have the flash uh you have well and I think uh, Katana, I think maybe is that character in this level. So there were um, there and uh, Superman, of course, is in there. So they did a good job in Green Lantern. So it was more of a like a Justice League, I think, uh, memory game. But it was it was under the Lego Batman uh, branding. So it was mostly <laughs> it was mostly a Batman game. But but I had a good time with it um, and and I totally crushed it. I, I, oh, look at that score. A uh, high score, 13,599. Um, did, you, but, did you get to see like what other people were doing and if they were doing as good as you? And if you like, ha was there a leaderboard? Uh, I don't think I saw a leaderboard, but I mean, obviously I was do that, dominating. That might have like uh, encouraged me to just play my life away if there was a <laughs> leaderboard. If, if I knew I could beat a, even a single person. <laughs> Um, I'm sure you would have been great at it, uh, but that was one of the little games that you could play. Um, I think this is the, uh, th I think this is the, what was it called? What does that game in the dock say? Uh, the Gotham City Speed Game. Ooh. So this is a game I could have played uh, a long time <laughs> in the fandom um, because I, I get, I got really, I got really competitive. Oh my I God, is this a car game? Yes. And you used your, uh, your arrows, of course, on the keyboard to to go around oh, and man i, I love got, car games i'm so i'm not great at them um but i do love them well i got kind of competitive with myself because it's like <laughs> you can do better you could th you this is this is a game for children i feel like you can do better than this <laughs> so i did it, what would it, batman say <laughs> it well it was neat the way it um it would take you in and out of levels like when you completed one level it would take you from the batmobile to the batwing and you would transition to a different vehicle and then you would go do that level and then it would transition you to another vehicle. Um, so uh, I think it does it right here. Yeah. So it, so it goes into the bat wing and then you kind of do your your next little bit. Um, but yeah, this this one was my best attempt. I feel uh, like I could just watch a like a nonstop Twitch stream of you playing this game. That maybe <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's our next thing on Supergirl Radio, <laughs> Twitch channel where we just play Batman Lego Batman games. I would be aimed I would at be, children. <laughs> I would be so up for it because I think after a while I got to where I was getting pretty good. But I I could not get to um, one of the the last levels. This is this is me up against uh, Mr. Freeze and oh oh yeah that's getting complicated. Yeah, and I think I'm trying to freeze you. I've been oh no snowballs. <laughs> I've I've been uh, training my whole life. I feel like for this game because uh, <laughs> I, anytime I go to an arcade, I'll, I'll play like Galaga 
or or games like that where you're this is basically i think galaga i i feel like uh, dr- driving on the new jersey t- turnpike is my training <laughs> for this game <laughs> Sweeping in and out of lanes. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I did pretty well up against Mr. Freeze. Um, so I eventually, I don't know how long, how long, how long does this go? Uh, we're almost finished with the clip. <laughs> but uh, but I eventually defeat uh, Mr. Freeze, spoiler alert. But then I, <laughs> I, I like immediately died after that. Oh, no. Uh, so, so I didn't get to play this for too long. And I knew if I kept playing, I would I would be there all day. It was just um, going to be the end. Yeah, yeah, you defeated Mr. Freeze. So I defeated Mr. Freeze. I went out on a uh, on a good note that Mr. <laughs> Mr. Freeze uh, got his uh, what, what was coming to him. So that was that was good. So I had a lot of fun playing uh, Gotham City speed game. And the last thing that uh, I thought I would talk about in terms of the interactivity um, was a thing called the Joker's Escape. And this was, uh, I thought it was going to be like a, an escape room. Yeah. But, it, but it, it was kind of that, but it was more of a, a one person player kind of a thing. So hmm. you, could, you couldn't do it with like a group of friends or anything. It was only the only you could do it. Um, and it had a couple of different rooms. Um, I'll show you one of the rooms that I did g- because it makes me laugh the most. It's it's kind of embarrassing, but I'm gonna play it for you because I think you will get a, a lot of uh, enjoyment out of it, and <laughs> and it will make uh, people happy. And so that's I think uh, the the thing that I'm willing to uh, put out my embarrassing clip over. Um, so basically, what this clip is, um, the first room that you went in, uh, you had to record a Joker a Joker cackle. So you had to match the Joker's cackle three times and then you would get out of the room and go to another room so this so this is me attempting uh to do the joker cackle and uh you'll (laughs) you'll have to let me know uh how how well i did okay this is kind of like rock band you gotta get close enough That's pretty good. I mean, it sounded terrible, but I at least matched the uh, the audible loudness and the uh, rhythm. All right, let's try this one. I gotta start big at the top. I almost ran out of breath on that one. Eighty percent, not bad. It was terrible, though. No one is gonna be scared of that. That's what I'm talking about. You're almost as disturbed as me. Almost. Well, at least almost is. All right, pick another mask. Uh, let's try this one.
So that was <laughs> awful. That was am- that was amazing. Oh my god, that that was so incredible. I I, I would have been so terrible at that game. <laughs> I was not good at it, uh, but I but I at least was able to progress to the next room. Uh, the second room was something about the the Joker cards. I couldn't figure that one out. Um, and then there was a third one where you had to uh, disarm some bombs, and I didn't make it out of the, the bomb <laughs> didn't, room. So didn't make it. I mean, uh, but you got through the Joker laughs, and that's really important. Yeah, I did. The <laughs> and Joker I got cackle. to hear them, and that's also important. <laughs> <laughs> it was pretty terrible. Uh, so enjoy that. Oh. Uh, uh, so I'm putting, awesome. I'm putting that on the internet forever. So you're welcome. Uh, <laughs> so that was a very difficult game. Uh, I, I tried multiple times to get out of there, but I did not escape uh, the Joker. I did not uh, escape the Joker's escape, uh, much to my disappointment. But uh, that was kind of the last of the interactive things uh, that I did in DC fandom. That was sort of my in- the end to my experience. Um, I will say before we wrap up our DC fandom talk, uh, that there were some improvements that were made to DC Fandom Part 2 uh, that we had complaints about in DC Fandom Part uh, 1. So I'll play a little clip of that and let uh, Pastor Rebecca explain that to you. Hey, everybody. It's Rebecca Johnson here of Supergirl Radio. I'm about to head into DC Fandom to check out some of the Supergirl stuff. So uh, I'm excited to see what's maybe new and different because uh, this promises to be a lot uh, more content, more interactive content, and uh, more TV slash Supergirl content. So I'll be curious to see what that's like. So let's go ahead and head into the dome. So we've got uh, a main page, a, a different looking main page. Uh, before on day one, it had the uh, main live stream that was happening, uh, which would have been the, uh, I guess, um, the Hall of Heroes. So that's what that was. I guess if we click on it again, is it any different? I guess you have to just uh, click on them individually. It's not a live stream anymore. Uh, but so the Hall of Heroes is still there, but it's we've got some different uh, destinations. One thing to note that immediately catches my eye is uh, this menu. At the top of the page. Isn't that interesting? They now have a schedule link. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. So I can go in here and see my schedule. It doesn't matter so much this time because everything is, well, mostly everything is on demand. So you can watch it anytime you want. So it doesn't really matter what the schedule is, but I appreciate that that button exists. So this is sort of my schedule. I basically put everything on there. It's not like it's anything uh, specified, but uh, I'm glad there is a link now. That's what they should have had the first time, but, uh, oh, can I get back out to the uh, the homepage? How do I get back out to, oh, that's interesting. I can't click on the logo and get back out to the uh, main page. Well, that seems like that was all pointless. I got a schedule link, but now I can't get back out to the, I guess I'll just have to go DC Fandom, get back out here. Uh, so that's kind of a bummer, but oh, and it's nice. You can get a direct link to the store. So it's a little bit a little bit better. They've, they've um, made all the icons look similar. There's a nice search function. Oh, cool. So you can search by character. So some of the more popular characters, Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman, Aquaman, 
Yeah. So two steps forward, one step back. I think is. <laughs> I I like uh, real cackled. Uh, thankfully, I was on mute when you were like, "Wait, how do you get back? How do you get back?" <laughs> I guess you can't get back. <laughs> <laughs> like you were so excited to find your schedule, and then to find out you couldn't get back was really funny. <laughs> it was uh, aggravating, but they at least tried to improve it a little bit. So I will give them that. They'll they'll get there eventually one day. <laughs> they'll figure it, it out. It does seem like a big improvement on the on the first time uh, where it seems like it would be like really hard to find what you wanted to watch. So, yeah. And it was definitely overwhelming. There was a lot of content. Um, and Rachel uh, brings up a good point. The videos weren't working for a while at the beginning. That was true. Uh, for about 30, 35, 40 something minutes, there nothing was working. Like nothing worked. Oh, uh, no. Yeah. So they extended it out a couple of hours uh, to make up for that. You so would have had more nice. time to play that Joker's escape room. Oh game. my gosh, <laughs> I should have used that time to, to practice your cackle. Uh, I've get it a hundred percent. I feel like I could have gotten better. I would have gotten there eventually. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so that was uh, that was basically my DC fandom experience. I hope everybody had a good time in it. Uh, I sure did. I just wish I had had more time. I Can I just say, I feel like I went to the fandom now uh, after this uh, after this episode, and uh, I think you need all the props because I literally feel like I went to the DC <laughs> fandom. I did not at all, like at all. <laughs> uh, so, so thanks for a not only going, just just going, uh, but also doing all those videos and the clips and like all the interactive stuff and and showing us all, bringing all this stuff back for us who like maybe missed a, a couple of these panels or missed the interactive or didn't get to uh, laugh with Joker. It was really cool. <laughs> it was really cool to, to join past Rebecca and, uh, and see all that stuff. Yeah, she had, she had a good time. So I'm glad <laughs> that we could bring her along with us. And uh, just for uh, reference uh, after DC fandom part one, I ordered a shirt and it <gasps> nice. It came with, it came within six days. I was very surprised. So That's impressive. The, the fandom store was on it. So good <laughs> for them. Uh, but yeah, I had a lot of fun doing it. And I'm, I, I'm, I'm glad that we could make this a little more uh, visually interesting on the live stream. Uh, so hopefully everybody enjoyed that. Well, uh, we do have uh, a, a listener feedback email that I think we should get to before we uh, wrap this live stream up. So uh, we do have an email from a listener named Tressie who writes, quote, I just wanted to say that I do very much so enjoy and appreciate your podcast and all the work behind the scenes that it must take for it to be possible. As someone who has never really been interested in anything DC, even Marvel before, I found your podcast to be a great way to view the CW Supergirl and see other perspectives and storylines from the comics. I've only been watching Supergirl since July, so I've not followed the show from the beginning or participated in any live tweeting or Instagram feeds. Uh, I don't recall this specific episode it was mentioned in on your podcast, but I do recall the comment that your podcast would not mention fandoms and ships. I found this disappointing because in watching the show, I immediately saw the potential romance between Kara and Lena, and I have never used social media as a platform to engage with other fans of TV shows. None of my friends watch Supergirl, so I was excited to hear what your show might have said about the Kara-Lena dynamic. I was disappointed when it was uh, belittled to be a fandom that you said you would not discuss. But you recently just did an episode, uh, an entire episode, essentially giving light to an entire different fandom and even encouraging fanfic with uh, a hashtag Williams comment. And you immediately were discussing William as a potential love interest for Kara. I just want to know why that is different than Kara and Lena or why you wouldn't then also discuss Kara and Lena's dynamics and the parallels of their scenes to Lois and Clark. 
I love that you are creative with the episode and included your fans as well as fans of the show. I'm just trying to understand the difference in one or the other, unquote. So for a second, I thought that um, sh um, she or um, what's uh, what's the name for uh, for this? Uh, uh, I don't want to trust me. So, yep. so we don't. So I don't know. But I, I was laughing because I thought Tressy was um, uh, was implying that there was a large William is Comet fandom out there. Uh, and I was like, really? I thought it was <laughs> just a weird inside joke that because we just love Comet the Super Horse so much. We just want it on the show in any possible way but i mean i guess maybe there is a very small small <laughs> fandom out there that we are apparently representing so i i i think it's just us I, it's definitely just us it's just us entirely um okay so this is going to be kind of a long answer i don't know morgan if you have any thoughts on this that you want to yeah, share it, it's funny i uh i i read the i read over the doc the other day and i I read this email and I was like, oh no, my tummy hurts. Uh, but I was like, all right, let's, let's do this. Let's do this. So uh, I don't know if you want to go first and then I can kind of bounce off of you. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. Um, and, and, and Tressie, I think it's a fair question that you ask and I appreciate you taking the time to write in and um, I, I hope you're enjoying Supergirl so far. Um, for me, I don't mind talking about the pairings on the show when they come up in storylines or as part of scenes in an episode. But in my experience, and I've had a, quite a, an extensive experience in TV fandoms and things like that, but ships and shipping, in my experience, have always been negative and divisive. And I try to stay away from that as much as possible now because I just, I've not had good or positive experiences with that. I, I don't care that people ship who they ship. Uh, I just think that for me as a reviewer, and that's kind of how I see myself as a podcaster, you know, we're taking the episodes and the content that we're giving, and then we're reviewing what we see. And uh, I think it's only fair to only judge what we're given on the show. Um, so if, say, Car and Lena ever became a romantic item on the show, I would talk about them as such. But as, as of right now, they're just friends. They're just best friends. And that's how the show is treating them. So uh, to be a fair reviewer, I try to review what's presented on the screen. Um, if you are interested in hearing podcasters talk about the car and Lena dynamic, I would point you to Pot Off Course, a Supergirl podcast. Uh, they, they've told me that they will sometimes dabble in that. So um, if you're mm -hmm. interested in that specifically, that might be a good podcast. It's sort of uh, addressing kind of what you're interested in. Um, and as far yeah, I think, as the, I think there's a couple, there might be a couple others too that I'm just not aware of. I, I know that they're like, they're definitely out there. Um, it might be a little harder to find them if you're not really like on social media and like in, in those crowds, but, but yeah, they're definitely podcasts that take more of that person, like the shippy perspective um, for lack of a better word. Yeah. And and as far as the uh, hashtag William is Comet fanfic contest, that was not done out of any love we have for the pairing of William Day and Kara Danvers, which is canonically happening on the show. Like William is into Kara, Kara is into William. That's something that's actually being presented on the show. So we're not just like making that up. Yeah. Um, so so uh, I just wanted to jump in here. Rachel uh, said that televi the televised podcast and Super Trash um, podcast are also uh, Kara and Lena heavy. So if you're looking for podcasts that are kind of like more shippy and more like geared towards that particular ship, like those podcasts will probably be super fun for you to listen to. 
I mean, we would love for you to listen to Supergirl Radio, but you should if, continue listening to us. Like, no, but, no, no, this is not. This is to supplement you. You still yes. listen to us, Jesse. <laughs> but, but if if if, and I think it's fair. Like, I'm a podcast listener too. If there's not something that is being covered on a podcast that I listen to, sometimes I'll quit it. Sometimes I'll delete episodes. That's fair. That's your prerogative as a listener. So, um, so that I don't mind that at all. Um, but as far as uh, William and Kara. Um, it's interesting because I don't think I, and I don't want to speak for you, Morgan, but I don't think Morgan likes William and Carr at all. No. And and that's been some of the fun. Like we we got a little pushback. I think what what Tressie is kind of referring to is like we've gotten some pushback before um, from Twitter. It's it's always Twitter, isn't it? Uh, about the William uh, is uh, is comment thing and about how, you know, obviously that meant that we were supporting uh, the William and Kara kind of relationship. And I just find them so boring, like, like watching paint dry, like, like staring off into the sun. It's just painful for me. So to like, to have people be like this, you're just trying to push your, you know, your William and, and Kara love agenda. And I'm like, I don't, I don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like them at all. <laughs> yeah. I, I think, I think, uh, Morgan doesn't like them. I only kind of, kind of like the idea, but I don't think they've done a good job with it. So we're not any big proponents of no. the coupling on the show. <laughs> we're not like over the moon about it. I, I don't, I don't have anything against it. I just, it's not, it's not Sawyer and Juliet for me. It sure is it. That, <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's missing a lot of compelling components. Let's say that uh, to be to be something I would be really excited about. And a lot of our um, our stories that came in from that contest had another ship. I, I know that there were some Car and Lena stories. I think there were some Car and Monel stories. I don't know if there was some other, you know, ships on there, but like the only, the only aspect that we had asked people to do was to have um, William be Comet the Super Horse because we so desperately want Comet the Super Horse on the show. So that's legitimately the only <laughs> reason we did it is because <laughs> we, we realized that the show would probably never give us Comet the Super Horse. And uh, we I heard... Mean the comet the super horse could be another character too like i'll take comet in any form if it like turns out that like somebody random is comet the super horse somebody in the background that's fine <laughs> yeah yeah just just some sort of reference that would be okay with us but like we realized that the show would never give comet the super horse to us because it doesn't seem like it cares about that kind of thing um so this contest was really a, a way for us to get a story where Comet is on the show. And uh, it it came out of, if you didn't listen to the episode when that idea was born, because it was basically born on the podcast while we were talking about it. And the idea came from the fact that we were sent someone's fanfic of William becoming Comet the Superhorse. And we loved that so much. And I think it was two of them, actually, because we, we read and them. It just seemed it's so wild to me that that would exist out there in the universe <laughs> that like that the Internet can be such a terrible yet wondrous place that like <laughs> Will William is Comet fic existed out there. And I was like, what if we could get more of this weird stuff? <laughs> yeah, it was basically an idea to to uh, enjoy uh, a crazy Silver Age character who is bonkers in the comics has a lot of weird comments um, just the weirdest just honestly the weirdest character 
I've ever read. <laughs> yeah, he, he has a he has a, a different uh, origin story than he does in the Peter David run, which gets even more complicated. So uh, it was just a, a way to play around with the idea of Comet the Super Horse in the su the Supergirl universe. It was never meant to be like a shippy thing. It was it was just a way. <laughs> just a way to get uh comment in there and i think it turned out really well um we had a lot of great stories our listeners wrote some great stories uh we had some friends of ours who did some impeccable jobs of acting them out and making them come to life and so i i uh was really proud of that and i'm sorry if it's sounded like we were like big william car shippers I, no. my bit my my <laughs> ship of choice is car and happiness um and it has been for the longest time and if that means william and car if william makes car happy that's great if it's somebody else that's great um but yeah we we just uh we we come from the smallville trenches yeah and that it, and uh, yeah and it, it's it's funny because to me like if you ask me what's my supergirl ship i would probably say car and lena like i think that's kind of the most compelling um ship on the show like i i would love it if the show went in that direction i think it would be really fun it'd be really interesting obviously i love whenever melissa benoist and katie mcgraw are in a scene together like all the scenery gets chewed it's delicious it's fantastic <laughs> so that would mean more of those scenes uh, i think they have really good chemistry together like i scroll i scroll twitter i see the fan art like the, the <laughs> fans are really talented and i'm like oh my god like look at it. it's a little comic where they're like pirates or something i love those <laughs> that I actually is really well done right i really i i always want a comic where Kara and lena are, are pirates that fall in love give me <laughs> those i want those uh but i will say like i think from from my perspective i'm just like not much of a shipper and i was like thinking about this because i had read this email and i was like thinking about it in the shower and i was like yeah why don't we talk more about the ship things and i think it's just because it it's not something that's like I ship things and I like certain relationships on certain shows, but it's not something that I sort of hang my hat on too much. And it's not something that I'm like super interested in um, talking about to like, or like raving about, you know, talking a lot about like, I'll, you know, I'll pass by it and then I'll, you know, go to something else. And I feel like I've, it's, that's been that way for a while. Like I've had my ships in the past, but that was like, you know, way back in like the Smallville and the Buffy days. And like, I was like, what's the last show that I really shipped something hard? And like, I, was, I couldn't come up with anything like very recent, like, yeah, Sawyer and Juliet from Lost or like, you know, some show some cat like couples from gossip girl or something like that where i was like no no i love them but uh even then i wasn't like probably sitting there like going like okay let's break down this scene between these two characters so i feel like for me to like sit there and, and talk about a ship for like a long time would be like a little bit disingenuous to like the way that i like consume media and and review media i think like rebecca said we kind of we kind of look at what's on the screen so like you know if you're talking about cara or you know cara and william or cara and monel or you know lena and and james the grown man olsen uh <laughs> sure yeah like i'll talk about that because i have to because there they are um yeah but you know the ship thing is kind of something where i'm like scrolling twitter and i'm like Ooh, are they in space now? Like, I, <laughs> God, I love super core fan art so much. They they do so many jobs. It they're it's like Barbie. <laughs> <laughs> they're in so many time periods. I love it. I love it all. But like, it's a uh, it's just not something I I feel like 
you and I, I think, have kind of similar approaches to like the show and like to talking about the show. And I just don't feel like we come at it from that shippy perspective. And to try to kind of force that on the podcast, I feel like would feel disingenuous, if that makes sense. So that's, I think, in my opinion, you know, that's kind of why we don't really discuss it that much. Yeah, in my younger days, I would have cared about stuff like that. Um, Same. But, but as I've grown older and and more mature, I guess in my in my old age, um, that's not as important to me anymore. Like good writing and and good directing and um, the editing and stuff. Like I care about more about that kind of stuff than I do the the shipping. And like, would I love there to be a really compelling uh, love story on Supergirl? Yeah. Like, would it be cool if it was Car and Lena? Yeah. Like, have we experienced a compelling love story on Supergirl? No. (laughs) Like, I think the closest I got to, like, really caring about a a relationship on Supergirl was was Alex and Maggie. And then they rushed and then they started to rush it too hard. And then they dropped it like it was hot. So... Yeah. I For me, I could have cared about Car and James. I I did, like, Lena and James and I think I was the only one uh, but but I I could have been on board with that um I this is an unpopular opinion but I think Cara and Monel is probably the best written love story that they've had on the show uh but I mean, that's it did have the a best progression I will give it that like it, it, it did start did pro- it? but did it have a progression and an arc yeah it did yeah <laughs> yeah so that, to me I think part of the problem why we don't care about the relationships because there really hasn't been any good ones. I, I, I hate to say that, but that's uh, so it's funny because uh when we talk on DC TV after dark, which Tressie, by the way, you should listen to that too. I'm just you gonna should. plug them all. Uh plug every podcast and listen to all of them. But um they asked uh, we ask our you know our um our guests what their DC TV hot take is. So like on the first podcast, Sarah and I talked about our hot takes and my hot take was, I don't think that the DC TV shows do romance very well because I just don't care about any of them. Like there's like maybe Ava Lance on legends. Like I love Ava Lance, but that's about it. Like that's the only one I'm like that invested in. It's, I think it's a, it's a cross platform problem in my opinion. Yeah. That I, I just don't, probably true. yeah, I'm not invested. Like I, you know, I like Barry and Iris on the flash, but I'm not like super into it. I'm not like drawing pirate art. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's interesting because not all TV shows, like some TV shows do it really, really well. Yeah. Um, we, we brought up lost and like, I loved all of the relationships on lost. Like I cared about Sawyer and Juliet. I cared about Kate and Jack. I cared about Son and Jen. I cared about Charlie and what's her face? Um, Claire. Claire. I her cared, baby. <laughs> uh, Ch- Charlie. Um, I ca- I cared about John Locke and what's her face? Peg Bundy. I oh, cared. Yeah. I cared. I cared about Saeed and Shannon. I cared about Saeed and that other chick that he Nadia. was on. Nadia. <laughs> see, see, I have been watching it very recently. i cared about all those couples i cared about um just uh desmond and penny they're all so good they're all written really well desmond and penny oh the constant is one of the best episodes of television hands down the best episode of television ever made um but that that show did such a good job of making you care about those couples and what they were going through yeah and i think of about other shows like i obviously they're comedies and it's hard to you know compare apples to apples but like uh, the office you know with uh with jim and pam it's one of like the most famous you know 
uh, sitcom love stories. And that's because it was a slow burn where they built up this relationship. And it was like a big part of the show. And I feel like one of the problems on Supergirl, I think one of the reasons why people are really invested in that Car and Lena dynamic is because it's the only one of the few, you know, relationships on the show that does feel like it has any kind of progression and like development and like like it is a slow burn because uh supergirl on supergirl one character will look at another character and then the next episode they are in love (laughs) (laughs) it's like uh, but but the interesting part is usually the in between you guys (laughs) yes that's what makes people care about the characters like i feel like alex and kelly got together in like a hot second and like give us some courtship like yeah like four or five episodes yeah it was the same thing with uh with cara and uh and william this season where they stare they were like physically in the same room together and in the next episode they're like i can tell that you really like him and i was like how (laughs) i can't (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so I hope, Tressie, that that gives you kind of a, a a better idea of why why we don't talk about the ships <laughs> that much, and B why we did the William's comment uh, uh, fanfic contest. Uh, j- just because we like to have silly fun is yeah. basically what it is. Um, we're just it, we're just really not chippers. It's it's just. It's not our, our personality, I guess. We're we're gonna we're gonna propose a a, a series of plot lines uh, about a, a skeleton in a suit. Yeah. But we're, prob- we're probably not gonna talk much about you know the various ships on the show and their you know their relative uh, whether or not they should happen, their OTP status. Like yeah, it, it's all my OTP is director bones and screen time. <laughs> <laughs> That is actually a, a good way to wrap that up and uh, close out our, our feedback section because that, that sums it up pretty well. Well, I think it's uh, that's going to do it for our look back at the first part of DC Fandom. Uh, uh, Morgan, you want to get the banners I'm getting ready? ready? I'm getting get, ready. Getting ready. All Ooh. right. So if if you would like to contact Supergirl Radio, you can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. If you'd like to leave us a voicemail, you can call us at 678-718-7252. And make sure to do do that before Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. Eastern. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. You can listen to us on Google Play, iHeartRadio, and Spotify, where we also have a Spotify playlist that includes music featured on and inspired by the show. We're also on Radio Public and Podchaser, so you can check us out there. We're also listed on DC's fan page, which you can find at dccomics.com slash dc-fans. And we're available on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher Radio. So if you have some time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write us a review. And if you're like Rebecca, that's so much information. Uh, I cannot handle everything that you just mentioned. Don't worry. Uh, if you go to supergirlradio.com on the right side of the page, you can find all the links to everything uh, I just mentioned. Uh, so we make that very easy for you. Uh, so that's a way that you uh, can check that out. And uh, we have a, a new a way to uh, get into the DC TV plugs. Uh, so I'll just uh, play that and uh, we'll, we'll be right back. Supergirl Radio is part of the DCTV Podcast Network, so if you're interested in The Flash, Black Lightning, Legends of Tomorrow, Batwoman, Titans, Stargirl, Green Lantern, Strange Adventures, and the upcoming Superman and Lois series, or DCTV After Dark, make sure to follow DCTV Podcasts on social media and subscribe to the podcast mega feed if you want all those podcasts in one place. <laughs> I like the like the little like old-timey record scratch that you put underneath of it. Well, she 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 wanted it read as like an old uh, film 
uh, yeah. thing. So I, I tried to follow her envisioning of the, the plugs. Uh, but unfortunately, Amy's DCTV plugs are already out of date. Uh, DCTV <laughs> podcast has added a new podcast. The Justice League Dark podcast is a fan podcast devoted to Justice League Dark that is being developed by executive producer and filmmaker J.J. Abrams for HBO Max from Bad Robot Productions, aiming to hit the streaming platform in 2021. In addition to his team-up series, Abrams is also developing a Justice League Dark universe that will consist of TV shows and films as part of the interconnected franchise. Uh, so interesting. We, we will still have a DCTV plugs contest because now we need new ones. A, a day later, her, uh, her unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable. I thought that I had finally broken free, <laughs> <laughs> and yet here it is back again. Thanks, Andy. <laughs> yeah, so a, a day after Amy recorded that, uh, they were already out of date. So uh, we'll we'll still have we'll still have a plugs contest, so we can get updated uh, plugs for that. So if you wanted to be part of that, uh, don't worry, we'll still get to that. It's coming. Um, we also have a DCTV podcast T Public store. So if you're in need of some new T-shirts or some mugs or some stickers, you're gonna want to go to SupergirlRadio.com and click on the T Public store button at the top of the page, and then you're gonna want to like get this awesome Superman sweatshirt or this Martian Manhunter shirt or this Dreamer mug where there's like a bunch of birds. <laughs> Don't you want a Dreamer mug where there's a bunch of birds? <laughs> I think that's from her uh, her episode where she went back and her mother died. I, I feel like it should be like a dreamer mug where she's kicking a spider. Yes, I, that's revenge. Really, the spider should be in there, not not so much the uh, the the, I, the birds. I do like the birds though; they are very pretty. Yeah, it's a it's a good mug. So we have lots of stuff in there. We've got some new merchandise, and I think uh, there's supposed to be another site wide sale this week. So if you wanted Ooh. to get some merchandise, you can get it at a discounted price this week. So definitely go uh, check that out. All right. Well, you can find me on Instagram at the Derby Kid. I have a YouTube channel that you can find at YouTube.com/slash/DuckMilkProd. Um, I've got a couple of uh, Snyder Cut things up there if you want to go watch some of my recent videos. Uh, I did one uh, sort of reacting to the little musical teaser uh, uh, from Junkie XL's uh, Justice League, uh, the Snyder Cut Justice League score. Uh, it was very short, but uh, it gave me uh, goosebumps. So if you want to go watch that video, you can do that at YouTube.com slash DuckMilkProd. Cool. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at MojoTastic. And you can also listen to me on a DCTV After Dark, which I think finally after rescheduling like twice, uh, we are finally going to record our episode for the month. Uh, we're nice. going to talk on a little Batwoman. So that'll All be right. fun. All uh, right. Maybe, maybe uh, our guest will have watched the Fandom panel, unlike myself. And we'll have some news to report. Uh, and you can also find me on the Legends of Tomorrow podcast. So if you uh, went on to that podcast and you heard like a familiar episode, it's because we posted as well the uh, the time travel episode that we did here on Supergirl Radio that was a lot of fun. Uh, but we also, in, in truly... Um, uncharacteristic fashion have a second episode coming what? out that maybe this week probably probably this week at some point That's and uh, very exciting. we have a very special guest star who is maybe a little inebriated uh oh that's right sarah's back she still has to watch legends and she's had a few drinks so <laughs> you're gonna wanna you're gonna wanna uh subscribe to that one so that you can get that latest episode 
that seems to be a very popular set of episodes. Uh, People keep asking for them. And poor Sarah is first <laughs> like, can you consider my liver first? <laughs> one. But secondly, like, I really actually kind of now want to watch the show. <laughs> can we be done with this? And we're like, no, you can't watch the show. It's the meanest thing where you're like, you really like a show and you're just telling your friend she cannot watch it. <laughs> That is funny. Well, uh, I will definitely be looking forward to that. Well, uh, I think uh, that's going to do it for this episode of Supergirl Radio. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Morgan Glennon. And we're going to leave you with this. What a laugh when... DC TV podcast. There's too many now. Exclamation <laughs> point. <laughs> Is being, becoming a human burrito a plus or a minus? I don't know. It does seem snug. I mean, they say you are what you eat. Oh, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> so I do a podcast called Supergirl Radio, and one of our segments is Lena Luther boardroom or ballroom. Because really? she looks like a boss in this coat. Nasty Luther, like a different Luther. It's not just Lena being mean. No. <laughs> Ooh. Helen Slater here. It's so fun to know that you're hosting a podcast called Supergirl Radio. Yeah.